It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Avoid where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Wilson, welcome to Fantasy Baseball Live. We're here every Sunday evening talking the game of baseball, talking the game of fantasy baseball, talking whatever the heck we want to talk about. And believe it or not, I was checking uh, the spring training countdown clock and 37 days left until pitchers and catchers report. I mean, it is remarkable. I didn't realize that it had caught up to us that quickly. I mean, that, that's just, I mean, that's a little over five weeks and there'll be players out there tossing the ball around, and we can finally start to get excited. Now, many of you know, with the games between the Yankees and the Red Sox, I believe that's who's playing, over in England this year, things are getting started a little bit sooner. So, so spring training will seem like it's going on forever, but uh, at least in five weeks and two days, it's going to be incredibly exciting. So the exact 37 days, two hours, 58 minutes, 27 seconds, 26 seconds. Well, you get the point. Spring training will be upon us. Uh, it has been relatively warm where I'm at. It was 70 degrees today. I'm, I'm out in Ocean Island Beach, North Carolina, and was walking on the beach today, and it's just absolutely beautiful. Uh, so it doesn't feel like winter even arrived here in North Carolina. And here we are spring training in five weeks. So uh, feeling pretty, pretty good. Um, if you guys want to go out and support our show, then you can go out to prospect361.com and visit our sponsors. They're in the upper right-hand corner. They're Amazon.com, StubHub, and there's deals running on StubHub all the time, guys. So I would encourage you, if you've got to buy a ticket, whether it's a baseball game, a football game, a basketball game, or a concert, just go there, click on our site, and many times you get discounts just by going through that. And if you don't get a discount, then you get to support Timmy and myself. We also have Steiner Sports and MLB Shops. We appreciate it when you go in and click on those sponsors. We get a little bit of, of a marketing fee associated with that. They're called affiliated fees, and we appreciate you doing that. If you want to go out and also support the show, just go out to iTunes and rate and review the show. Just simply go down there, say whatever you want. Hopefully you'll say nice things. 
things because otherwise you'll make Timmy and me cry because uh, we'll get very, very upset if you do that. Now you say whatever you want, but we appreciate you going out and doing it. It does help. It does help in our placement on advertisements and so forth throughout iTunes. Without further ado, let's bring on the great Tim McLeod. Mr. McLeod, good evening. How are you? Tim is gone. Tim was not there, so I'm not sure where he went to, so hopefully he will be back. Hopefully he is hearing me. Um, But, um, okay, so we've got what I think is a pretty great show planned for you guys this evening. Uh, We're going to also, first off, we're going to start just talk about closers. I'm in the middle of my uh, first NFBC draft, uh, draft and hold, which I'm not going to talk about my team because it gets boring doing that. Plus, not sure I even like my team, but I will give you a couple of observations as we go through uh, the show. And, and one of those is, boy, outfield gets very, very um, shallow very quickly. So uh, so that's the first thing that I notice. So, I mean, there's not many Mike Trouts and Mookie Betts before it's like, ooh, this guy's my second outfielder that I just selected. So, uh, and the other thing I notice is closers. And closers, it's just a different world out there. So we're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk about the AL East and the fantasy questions around that. And um, and Tim is off and on again, so we'll have to maybe reach out and see what's going on. And then we're going to talk about some of the acquisitions and some of the trades that have occurred so far this year, uh, at least this week, and uh, some pretty interesting tra- uh, acquisitions. And I really like that J.D. Uh, Davis acquisition by the Mets. I mean, I don't know if he gets a chance to play, but he definitely wasn't getting a chance to play uh, when he was in Houston because uh, he's primarily a third baseman. He yeah, can play a little bit of the outfield. And with that stack system, it just was not going to happen. So, uh, so, so J.D. Davis, I think, is an interesting uh, play there. Uh, so we'll talk about that. I think another... Um, Let's see, another one was the David Robertson going to the Phillies. That's the great Tim McLeod. Mr. McLeod, good evening. Good evening, Rich. I played around with the old headset, and all I got was silence. So we're doing the old telephone again. Yeah, to me, I was just going over what we got planned, and we're going to talk about closers. We're going to talk about the ALEs. We're going to talk about some of these acquisitions. And uh, pretty interesting week, I thought, with just five weeks until spring training. Yeah, we're finally starting to see some activity, seeing some players move around. Uh, We saw some signings, free agents, uh, a posted player uh, found himself uh, home in Seattle. Uh, Interesting week, I agree. Yeah, so a lot to talk about. Before we get started, Timmy, how are you? I'm, uh, I'm fine, Rich. I'm a little tired, so... If this show goes any longer than the normal two and a half to three hours, I might be a little taxed. <laughs> well, you will be happy to know, Timmy, our uh, uh, New Year's Eve, New Year's Eve show, the one on the 30th last Sunday, record right. downloads already. I, I, <laughs> I keep put mock draft in there, and I'm, I don't know what it is. It just, it's, it's like they fly off the shelf, Timmy. It's the weirdest thing. Well, and you know what? Uh, one thing I will say for last Sunday is I thought by far it was our smoothest mock draft yet, Rich. Everything seemed to flow better. Um, I'm trying to think of the right way to put this so I don't get cut off. But well, with you with me handling, not drafting. Yeah. 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 Well, I, I, I agree. Was trying to get around that. But yeah, it, it worked really well. It did. 
Well, I will tell you, Timmy, I was a little cocky. I said, hey, you know, I've sat in on my first uh, draft. This is my first mock draft. I said, I got a chance to see the player pool a little bit. I'm ready for the real McCoy. So I went ahead and signed up for the NFVC draft and hold. And, Timmy, I signed up, I think, at 10 o'clock on uh, New Year's Eve. And by 3 o'clock in the afternoon, we were already drafting. So I had no prep time. And, Timmy, I got involved, (laughs) and I realized I was – as always, completely held flat-footed. I have, I have spent hours this week kind of looking at players and trying to understand the player pool. And unfortunately, I don't really right. like my team, but I have a really mm-hmm. good handle on the player pool now. But I had to go through the exercise, and, and I got to do a mock draft, Timmy. I just got to do a mock draft before I do these draft and hold leagues. Yeah, it, you know, just to get some sort of a feel as to – who's where, what's what, uh, some of the trends, because I, I would imagine uh, even in the NFBC, a lot of the, the early trends that we're seeing uh, in other drafts probably apply, uh, you know, closers going at certain times. NFBC pitching always goes a little bit earlier because there's no trading, but uh, I'm sure that getting in a few mocks, uh, even just to familiarize yourself with the player pool has to be a good thing. Yeah, Timmy, I got to tell you, I was before you got on the air. I was I was lamenting how, I mean, how shallow outfield is, uh, mm-hmm. Timmy. It, 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 some of your third outfielders is like you can't believe they're your third outfielder. Yeah, taking a couple outfielders early, which is going to happen uh, from a lot of teams, simply because of the uh, talent and the stats that they provide for you. It does thin out in a hurry. It really does. Yeah, I mean, let me let me just call out some of the third outfielders that I'm seeing on here. Uh, David Dahl, is he a third outfielder? Byron Buxton, is he a third outfielder? Nick Markakis is a third outfielder on a guy's team. Eloy Jimenez, I mean, like Greg Allen is the thir- a guy's third outfielder. I got Jackie Bradley Jr. is my third outfielder. I mean, seriously? I mean, this this is how quickly it goes. Yeah, I would imagine there are probably a couple of teams in your league that fill those outfield slots four and five deep very early. That would be my guess. Starting pitching yeah. and outfielders, right? I, you know, and and I think the mistake I made is, you know, I went Manny Machado followed by Paul Goldschmidt. I was I was drafting in the thirteenth slot. I think the second or third okay. year in a row. That's tough to. And I did that. I felt really good about both of those players. I like Goldschmidt more than you do. Um, mm-hmm. And then I realized that shortstop is probably the deepest position that's out there. And first base, not all that deep. But, I mean, how much, you know, how much different is Paul Goldschmidt than, I don't know, I'm looking at some other guys. Well, maybe he's he's a lot better than those guys. But, you know, it, it, I, I would have, I should have gone with an outfielder, I think, earlier than, and uh, one of those two picks as opposed to going shortstop first base. Well, yeah, when you go shortstop first base, shortstop is very deep. You've got lots of options you can play around with. I'm not saying Machado's a bad pick. He's a good pick. There's nothing wrong with Machado. But then when you come back with the first baseman, okay, you're waiting to go all the way back around to the 13th pick of the third round, and you've locked yourself into an outfielder and a starting pitching. Uh, starting pitcher, you have no choice, and I would imagine that's what you took, right? Uh, no, of course not, Timmy, because I was ill prepared. I went, uh, I went with a pitcher, 
And the right. best pitcher on the board, Sammy, I mean, as you know, they fly off the board was Patrick Corbin. I mean, you know, was I happy with Patrick Corbin? No, but that's that's who I got. I don't know who my third pick was. I'm looking at my team. Who who could have been my third pick? I I don't know even who my third pick was because I'm looking at my out. Yeah, I guess Corbin and then somebody. I'd have to go retake a look. at. I'm, I'm actually looking at the teams at the moment. But uh, right. Patrick I went Patrick Corbin. Was I, was I happy with that? I don't think so. But that's, I, I, in hindsight, I think I should have taken a pitcher with my second pick. Yeah, if you take the pitcher with your second pick, you control your destiny. Uh, if you take and wait, then you're going to get what's left. So, you know, uh, again, it's uh, just a matter of how you want to approach things. But I, I know coming out of the first round, for the first two picks that I make, I want one of those two picks to be an outfielder. Uh, I'll pass up on shortstop, you know, second base. I'll I'll skip all of that to get myself at least one outfielder, especially picking towards the back end. Because by the time you get to three, four, five, six, like you said, it, it gets awful thin. And then you find yourself in a bind and you end up overpaying for players. I know who my fourth pick was. It was Chris Davis, K-R-I-S Davis. So, which, again, not being familiar with the player pool, Timmy, I didn't realize he was DH only. I wasn't happy with that after I found that, after I made the pick. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. Did he only do DH last year? Sure enough, he is no longer outfield eligible. And I'm like, ugh. So I locked in my UT position with Davis, who, again, I'm sitting there thinking, okay, like, do I like Davis that much that I'm blocking my kind of wild card position with him? And I, I didn't feel good about that pick. Yeah, it, it's a good pick, except for the fact that you did, you know, you did tie your hands and no doubt for five, six, you had to come back with, you had to come back with some outfielders because after none in the first four already, you're into the middle tier. Yeah. I, 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 I waited Timmy. I mean, at some point I'm looking at the outfielders and I'm going, Tommy Pham, like that's why I want him, and and I yeah. I just waited, I you know I I waited because and I got Mazzaro and Nemo and Bradley Jr. and Kiermaier and Solaire. That's that's my outfield, Timmy. Uh, you know, yeah. I I waited and it's ick, but I mean I like Mazzaro. I think Nemo's okay. There's a little power, a little speed. Yeah. I I I really like Jackie Bradley Jr. this year, um, and then, yeah, Kevin Kiermaier could be great, but I mean he's never he's never healthy, so. It's it's well, it's yeah, it's not good. No, uh, anytime you back yourself into a corner, I, I think you took the right approach. Rather than over overdrafting or overpaying and scrambling in that direction, you, you made the best of a bad situation by taking some players that will probably provide you better value than than going in the other direction and panicking and and overpaying for an outfielder just to fill a slot. Yeah, I wound up Timmy just getting guys that I like later. Um, you know, some right. pitchers that I like later. I mean, uh, we're, we're going to talk about Dylan Bundy a little bit later. Call me crazy. I still like Dylan Bundy. Tukey, I got. I like Zach Eflin. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I mean, as my eighth, ninth pitcher, I, I like that. You know, and so 
you know, I got Hermine Har- Mar- Marquez and his 200 strikeouts. I mean, he's a he's a Colorado pitcher, but I got two Colorado pitchers. So, I don't know, Timmy, I, 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 I'm not real happy with the team. Like, I got Miguel Cabrera, and I got Josh Donaldson, so I went old school. <laughs> I'm thinking maybe I can I, maybe I'll go back to 2012 and I'll run away with the league. So, I mean, just, it's not, and I got Jason Kipnis. There's another oldie but goodie. It's just bad. It's just really bad. So, <laughs> so. <laughs> In other words, next time around, you will do a mock first, right? <laughs> I will do a mock first, and uh, it was yeah, the uh, Goldschmidt pick that I want back, because I, I, that hmm. pick dictate that that pick and Chris Davis and the mistake I made there, not realizing that he was not hmm. outfield eligible. Once I did that, Timmy, I'm like, oh. I really screwed the pooch on this one. So, uh, and I'm, I'm scrambling. I, I'll make up cause I, I'll out, uh, prospect everybody. So I'll get some guys that'll, that'll emerge, uh, later on. But you know, right. I'm thinking about the, I'm thinking about the rookies, Tim. And, and again, there's Vlad and the, maybe, um, maybe, uh, uh, Dante Bichette comes up and you know, we get Nixon. Right. So there's five or six guys that you really think are going to be contributors, but, Tell me a pitcher that's coming up that's going to make a major impact. Is Brent Honeywell come up? I mean, is he going to be healthy enough? I mean, I, I, you know, Forrest Whitley, yes. Whitley. Name yeah. another one. Name. A, there, there's not a lot of young pitchers out there that you go, wow. Here's a here's a rookie that I want. No, but there are some coming back from Tommy John. But Puck's another one who could contribute in Oakland uh, by halfway through the season. And there's some sneaky picks in there, like Michael Pineda. You know, hey, yeah. I I think if you look, there might not be the rookies, but there are players that can contribute that were, per se, out of the game last year. Yeah, I looked at Pineda, Timmy, and then I did the research there because it is a slow mock, and, you know, I'm retired now, so I have plenty plenty of time. Uh, I mean, he, he... Blew, he blew out his knee. So now not only is he coming back from Tommy John surgery, he's, he's dealing with a knee. So they're not even sure when he's going to come back. And uh, mm. the elbow might be fine, but now it's his knee. That's a problem. So I did think through that, and I'm like, is that the direction I want to go? Mm. I think we see Blake Snell for a full second half, at least. I think we see Puck for a full second half. Whitley, uh, I think. Oh, wait a minute. What do you mean, Blake, Blake Snell? You mean somebody else, right? Oh, no, not Blake Snell. Sorry. Uh, uh, Honeywell, sorry. Yep, yep. I, I think so. I think yeah, you see really. I don't know. Do you see Puck? I mean, yeah, then you're just rolling the dice, Tim. You can't have a you know oh, a sure. bunch of those guys on this. But, you know, I'll, I'll, get a, I'll try to get one of them. Uh, you know, I was thinking about Pineda. I was also thinking about Honeywell. I wasn't thinking so much Puck, but uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's some guys that got queued up that uh, you know I, I find interesting. But it, it's you know it, it, I, I've got to have guys that who were once good who have fallen off. I, I tell you, my whole team is made up of guys that used to be good. So and, and, you know, <laughs> draft Chris so Davis with a C, and you'll have both of them, Rich. You'll be covered yeah. that way. <laughs> Yeah, I you know, and I got I got What about Darwin's and Hernandez? What about Yamamoto? I I I got I got eyes on those guys. I mean, in fact, we're going to talk about some of those pitchers. So, it's uh these draft the whole What's that? Merrill Kelly. Merrill Kelly. Yeah, no. Nah, come on. Come on now. <laughs> come on, Tim. 
I'm telling no. Rich Merrill Kelly. I'm telling you. All right. Oh, oh Timmy, I, I wouldn't lie to you. You Would know, I lie about a player that came over from Japan. Come on, Rich. You know me better so, than that. Let me. We weren't going to talk about my team. Now we're talking about my team. So. <laughs> I, I made here's just here's the here's another mistake I made. If you back to back, we went Chris Davis, Cody Bellinger. Who would you rather have? If you went Chris Davis and Cody, Bellinger, who would no, I rather no, have? No, 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 the guy, I took Chris Davis. The guy after me took Cody Bellinger. Who would you rather have? Cody Bellinger. Yeah, I know. For space outfield eligibility. I yep. I, I just blew it, Timmy. I blew it. I did not mm. look at the eligibility. So again, first draft, it's mm. January first. <laughs> yeah, I'm writing it about <laughs> prospects. And uh yeah. I just I just wasn't ready. So I, I, I share this with everybody is is know the player pool better than I did going into it. I almost want to do another one, Timmy. It's like, okay. Got that one. Now I know what I'm doing. Now I'm ready, now I'm ready right. to go. So <laughs> best two out of three, right? Yeah, there you go. There you go. So, yeah. so, uh, so, Timmy, it, one of the things that definitely I knew this going into it uh, right. was the closer situation. So I, I wrote you a little abstract, and I'm going to read the abstract, and then I kind of want mm-hmm. you to to respond to it. And 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 to me, we're quickly seeing the elimination of the closer. I mean, this is just not a fantasy baseball. This is in this is in the game. Sure, there's some teams that still use them, but the modern bullpen strategy centers around having a number of pitchers who can pitch high leverage innings. And as David Robertson said, he doesn't care if he pitches the seventh, eighth, or ninth inning. Four or five years ago, people would uh, the players said, "No, we've got to pitch the ninth inning because that's where all the money is." It's no longer the case. These guys that are pitching in the seventh and eighth inning are getting just as much as quote unquote closers are getting. So now what this presents is there's saves are being spread out throughout the bullpen, particularly for those good teams. Yeah, you probably have more closers in the bad teams, but none of those pitchers are any good. I feel, Timmy, that that baseball has changed in the last five years, and probably in the la- probably since the Kansas City Royals came out with that strategy and went to two back-to-back World Series, and other teams mimic them, that the whole concept of the closer is really folly now, and. Craig Kimbrell, from what I remember, Timmy, he's still out there looking for a job, and he wanted too much money, and he's going to be back down in the David Robertson money. And I think fantasy baseball needs to wake up and realize that why are we holding on to this meaningless statistic called saves when the fantasy baseball game is supposed to somewhat, you know, you can squint and mimic the real game. Why are we holding on to this save category and just about in most of the big leagues that are out there, I know the NFBC still, hold, still holds on the saves. Why have we moved to a bullpen category? Why haven't we done something else? Well, you, you know, it's not for a lack of me lobbying for it, Rich. Uh, I, I went back and asked Peter Kreitzer for the uh, a copy of the article I wrote because I couldn't find it back in 2011. I was arguing for... Uh, at that time, I was calling it RPI, a relief pitcher index, which measured not only saves, but holds. Uh, therefore, uh, giving more value to those seventh and eighth inning pitchers. So it's something that I've been lobbying for for a long time. But 
I, I did find it interesting on your on your um, argument about the seventh, eighth, ninth, nine guys. I went through and I looked at the depth charts, and I could only find five teams that didn't have per se a designated closer. Uh, okay, and some of that is just the uh, lack of talent in, involved. But I think most teams still do have a designated closer. Rich, I uh, I do agree the fact that your sixth, seventh, eighth inning guys are carrying more value simply because starters are pitching less. But a lot of teams, you'd be surprised at the teams that have designated closers. The problem is a lot of them aren't that good. Yeah, I mean, if, but if you take a look at the really good teams, um, and I, I think you're going to see this with the more modern thinking, and I'm not saying it's here today, but the modern right. thinking is it's going to be matchup oriented. And I'm not going to do the Buck Showalters holding Zach Britton back for, remember that in the playoffs, what are you holding him back for? Because he's the closer and it wasn't a close situation. That was his exact words. And by the way, the Orioles were never the same after that. They were never the same team after that. Uh, And I think teams have gotten smarter. The save category was created, I think back in the seventies by a sports writer who came up with a, a quick way to to say the value of these you know these bullpen arms, um, yeah. and it, Timmy, it's just not relevant. And and I think you're going to see more and more of closer by committees and smart teams like the Rays and the Astros and the Dodgers are going to lead the way, and then it's going to be a copycat thing. And you've got really good closers. Zach Britton was the best closer three years ago. Cody Allen was a really good closer two years ago. David Robertson's been a great closer and a great pitcher. for. They're all becoming seventh-inning guys and happy to take those roles. Yeah, I think you're going to see Robertson in the ninth inning myself uh, until he blows two games, and then Popeye will put uh, Sir Anthony back in there. The problem, I think, in Philadelphia is, is they uh, – they got to manage their bullpen better, not just uh, the fact that they were short a guy. But, you know, you talk about Craig Kimbrell. Uh, I think he's going to end up back with Boston myself. Uh, Boston well, there's, no, there's right no other now. place. There's no other place yeah, in well, Boston. They, Boston doesn't have much of a bullpen to begin with. Yeah, their bullpen's horrible. They they need to sign Craig Kimbrell, and I think that's where he'll eventually wind up signing. They'll, they'll, they'll give him uh, probably three, four million more than Britain, and away you go. So I sent Tim an email during this draft, and I'm like, okay, I got my first close. I got Felipe Rivera, okay? I'm, I felt pretty good about that. But I needed another yep. one. And, and, and I'm in the second-tier guys that these guys aren't any good, and but yet we're rostering them on fantasy teams because we're chasing saves, which makes no sense when you've got really good pitchers that we should be rostering, like David Robertson and Zach Britton and Ed All, and yet we're rostering – who did I give you, Tim? Uh, Willie Peralta, Steckenridge. Yep. I mean, I mean, those guys aren't any good. But yet those are guys uh, that we're rostering on our teams because we have to have this category called saves. And to me, it just is not the right approach that we should be taking in the fantasy games because those guys, when and, and money speaks, in my humble opinion, Timmy, when those guys, if they were all the same age, and and Willie Peralta goes to arbitration or goes to uh, free agency along with David Robertson, who's going to get more money? David Robertson. It's not even going to be a 
it's not even going to be close. But yet, Willie Peralta probably holds more value in our game than than uh, David Robertson. To me, that makes no sense. Yeah, if that was the case, but I think Robertson is a closer there, so I I I think it does it does. Well, let's say sense. Zach Britton. Let's do Zach Britton. Zach Britton uh, over Peralta. Yeah, you got to say Britton's a better pitcher. I will agree with you there. But you take a look at guys like Steckenrider and Shane Green and Ty Buttry. They're all going to have the job once uh, spring training. Willie Peralta is going to have the job in Kansas City. Uh, Anthony Swarzak might have it in Seattle. Uh, uh, the trick is, you know, finding those guys. And when looking at the closer position, uh, you can't leave it too long or you're going to end up with one of those guys that is, is iffy. And we know we see change every year. And if I had to bet on the change, those are the guys you're going to, you're going to see it from uh, the closers that fall into that third tier. Yeah. So, and, and again, that's, and, and these uh, NFPs draft and hold, you, you have to have some of those guys. Um, yeah, you, you know, I've got, yeah. I, I've got Swarzak on my queue, Timmy. I'm like, do I really want to draft a guy with, what do you have a six ERA last year? Just because mm. if he winds up in um, Seattle, he's going to be the closer by default on a bad team. I mean, is that what this game has come to? Yeah, there's always going to be bad bad and mediocre closers on both good and bad teams. And, you know, you, you take a look at, uh, you know, in a draft and hold, uh, I think I mentioned Trevor Rosenthal, you know, Doolittle's never lasted a full season in the clo- closer role. So Trevor Rose- Rosenthal makes a lot of sense. Uh, there are all sorts of setup guys. And that's the one thing when you, when you start looking at draft and hold, you know, all those setup guys are going to go. It's it's just a, a matter of when they go and and the ones that uh, the ones that you want to target uh, uh, and I know I would be targeting like I said Rosenthal is one that I like in St Louis hey Miller's is Miller the closer there or do they give it to Hicks with Miller in the seventh eighth role I'd, I'd look at Miller uh, in Kansas City I would I wouldn't look at anybody per se Archie Bradley I think is a guy that might get overlooked a little bit in Arizona and Hirano should add uh, should be one of those guys you're looking at as a, as, as a backup. Oh, those are great names, Timmy, but uh, you and I are, I guess, are on, on odds on this. And, uh, you know, I'm in the middle of a draft and I'm looking at Lewis Brinson who might be, could be the worst baseball player that's playing. That's got a major league job at the moment. Uh, I could be wrong because I'm a huge Lewis Brinson mm-hmm. fan, so I say that. He's going to yeah. sit on this queue forever, Timmy, because uh, he stinks. I mean, it, it, there, there's <laughs> nothing good. I've, I've looked through month by month. In September, he struck out 27% of the time and walked 3.9% of the time. I think he batted 220, and that was one of his better months. Listen to my argument, Timmy. He's going to sit there because okay. he is no good. But yet, all of these pitchers who are get saves are going to get yeah. drafted well before Lewis Brinson. And to me, it doesn't make any sense. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just gonna circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, it makes sense simply from the, the fact that 20% of your outcome uh, in pitching, 10% on your overall outcome is going to come from that category. What is, what is easier to find? A setup uh, guy that slides into the closer role or a sixth outfielder. And sure, but, but I guess my, my argument to me is wh- why does a fantasy baseball change? That, that was the point of my discussion is why aren't we changing? Why isn't the industry changing? Why are we holding on to this? Is it fun? Is it fun to, to roster a bunch of lousy players? Is that what the game's supposed to be? I mean, you're saying well, yes. Well, no. Everything moves slowly, Rich. It takes time. Seven, eight years ago, I was lobbying for holds at point five. Uh, I'm, I'm very thankful that we have that category in both of the DL leagues that we play in because it allows for the changing nature of the real game, but it's not something that's going to be addressed or resolved very quickly because change is slow. Those, those that are ahead of the curve, I think benefit rich rather than those stuck in the curve. How's that? Yeah, I mean, it, it's it, and I'm beginning to think the NFBC, if I can, because I'm on those guys' baseball, uh, fantasy baseball show all the time. But I have to tell you, I think they're really slow to change because why they have saves still stuck there, why there's no uh, DL slots. Uh, I mean, they've got seven bench slots. That's it. You know, it, at, and playing outside the draft and hold. I mean, and the game has completely changed. Um, yeah, I think I, I haven't I played. Agree. I haven't played ESPN. Uh, ten team leagues and you know forever, but they had three DL slots. My guess is they still have three DL. It's it's to me the the fantasy people who run the industry, and I guess we're part of that. I think yes, they need are. to be a little bit more innovative than sticking with the save category. Uh, and you know, I mean, what 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 does tout? Do they have a do they have saves or do they have a bullpen uh, no, category? Saves. There, there are no Why? industry leagues that, that I'm aware of, uh, pure industry leagues that uh, do anything other than saves. And, and I think that I would love to have one of those guys come on who, who run these leagues and explain why. Is it just tradition? All right, well, if it's just tradition, then then why do we have analytics in sports? I mean, why do we have it in baseball? Why is all the team, why are all the teams run by Harvard MBAs and guys who are coming out of elite schools with MBA programs as opposed to old baseball guys, because the game has changed and the fantasy game is like, okay, we still have to have saves there because, well, I forgot the, the guy in the Baltimore sun who came up with a save category years ago. I mean, I, that, that's what gripes me about the whole thing. And I get it. I, we're not going to change it tonight. We have to come up with strategies right. to do it. And we've talked about some of those, but it would be nice to see one of these big industry leagues try to help set the tone by saying, Hey, we're coming up with a different strategy for, for using these guys in the bullpen and not just having a lousy guy on our, on our team because he's going to get this ridiculous uh, statistic called a save. Right. I think one of the hardest parts is how do you, 
how do you measure those seventh, eighth inning guys? Right, right now, the obvious way of measuring them is a hold, but the hold is far from a satisfactory stat as it is. You know, it, it holds are uh, hold. You can argue the validity of, of a hold and whether it should be in our game or not. Personally, I believe it should be because I think it gives weight to the seventh, eighth inning pitcher, or more so than they have now. But again, holds are aren't a perfect stat. I do know that more and more are moving towards OBP, and that I like. Tote has, has changed from a batting average league to OBP, and I think it's a great. Uh, I think it's a great stat. And I totally think agree gaining, with you, Sammy. Totally agree. It's gaining, because batting averages, batting average in, in Major League Baseball, and, ba- and batting average in general is a meaningless stat, right? On base percentage, you want guys getting on base. I mean, that's what general managers pay for. When these guys get done, they do no longer. My argument is they no longer pay for saves. We have seen that in the free agent market for the past several years. The saves have get his hundred million dollar contract five or six years ago. He probably could have. And they're saying, yeah, they're not worth it anymore. But here in fantasy baseball, oh, it's worth it for us, man. We got to have it. We got to have it. And that's what's that's that's my argument. It's like we're supposed to mimic the game of baseball, and I believe in the bullpen stat, we're no longer doing that. And I think something needs to change in it. Yeah, and I, I support your argument wholeheartedly that something should change. I've been a longtime advocate of it. I, I believe saves and holds at .5 addresses that. Uh, how, how do you feel about that as a, as a hybrid stat, Rich? We're using it in two of the DL leagues, at least two that I know of. I believe that probably four years ago, I'm beginning to believe, based on what the market is telling us in baseball, is a hold and the save is the same value. It is the fact that you can pitch in a high leverage situation. Why not simply have holds and saves are the same value? And then all of a sudden, Willie Peralta is is no longer valuable, which is true is a correct argument. He is a, not a very good pitcher. Well, again, let's say he becomes a wonderful pitcher now, but today he's not a very good pitcher. I'd much rather have Zach Britton, uh, David Robertson. Let's assume David Robertson doesn't have the closer gig. You know, I, those are the pitchers I want right now because they're better high leverage things. And I want, I want to have those guys on my team. Yeah. See, I'm still sort of supporting the idea that a save is worth more than a hold simply because of the nature of but major league baseball teams are not saying that they're not saying that Timmy. that's the problem they're those ninth inning guys are no longer some of the more valuable players on your in your bullpen they're they're not archie bradley I, I, is archie bradley's a better pitcher than whoever they're going to throw out in the ninth inning and he'll probably pitch the seventh inning look at um uh the guy in milwaukee um uh, josh hader he got like ten saves yeah. last year. He's a better he's a better pitcher to put in in key situations. So to me, in fantasy baseball, we should have more value for guys like Josh Hader. Because look, if also the hold is the same as a save, and he gives you all the strikeouts and the and the great ratios, then he becomes an incredibly valuable player, which he is in Major League Baseball. Yes, but is Araldis Chapman more valuable than Zach Britton closing out the ninth inning? Yeah, I think that the Yankees are stuck there because that that's one of the last of the 
of the closers, you know, the official closers. I think you once that contract runs out, some of the, you know, the long, then I think you're going to see a different mold there. But I think Zach Britton, assuming he pitches well for the Yankees will be more valuable than a role as Chapman. Oh, I, I smell a steak and liquor bet coming up. <laughs> well, how do we, but how do you evaluate that? How do you evaluate that? War. Oh, I don't even I, see. I, 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 war does not take into account saves. Doesn't take into mm. account holds either. So maybe that is the right way to do it. Okay, yeah. I'll do it. Yeah, yeah. Well, why not? I'd rather do a more. If we had more time to do this study, if I knew how to, I would rather yeah, do the ninth inning guys versus the war of ninth inning guys. <laughs> That's the stat I would like to see somebody do a study on, and let's see what that is. And I, yeah, as I long smell... as I'm not doing that study, Rich, I'm re- I'm retired too, but I, I, I don't I don't want to be tackling that one because that's the real stat. Is you know, and, and again, it's what the general managers are doing. I mean, they're they're putting down big sure. money for these setup guys, and you know, and. This yeah. long belief that you'd have nerves of steel to close a game out. I, you know, I never bought that argument, and I don't think uh, the modern general manager is buying that argument. And again, the, the game is changing slowly, uh, but the guys like Aroldis Chapman, they're not going to get the eighty $80 million dollar contract anymore. It's just, it's not going to happen. So, yeah, it's, it's funny when you when you mention money being paid. I remember the Baltimore Orioles. I can't remember the three closers, but going back into the. I think it was the late 90s, early 2000s. Danny's Baez was one of the pitchers. Uh, I can't remember who the other two were, but they spent a fortune one offseason and bought three middle relievers. And that was probably the earliest indication, or if you want to go back even earlier, Cincinnati when they had Rob Divillet, the Nasty Boys. Those were, I think, the very first and some of the earliest moves leading towards bullpen by committees or, you know, building on strong seventh, eighth innings. But I do agree with you that the change that we're going to see in baseball over the next 10 years is probably going to lean in the direction that you're, you've mentioned, but I, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a slow go and it's going to take a number, a number of years before the game evolves to that state. I think we're right in the middle of it, Timmy. It might take 10 years for it to eventually finally change, but I think I think mm-hmm. this year and last year in particular, we yeah. have seen really big shifts in these values and no long it was just a few years ago that players said I've got to be a closer. Remember the uh, uh Patatas go going through that uh uh, arbitration what was it two years maybe three years ago and he sat in on that mm-hmm. and the Yankees said well you know you're not as valuable because you're not a closer and we sat yep. on this on this on this exact broadcast and said well that's crazy because he is just as valuable as a closer no way those arguments can be can be made now right because the the setup guys are getting tons of money as well so things are changing fairly rapidly and because it's the save statistic, my argument is the save statistic has never really been a valid statistic. Um, and, you know, and a guy came up with it. Good for him. He was came famous for, I think he's actually passed away since. But to me, the game is evolving and, and general managers are starting to realize that it's more about 
really good pitchers who can pitch in the most high leverage situation. Sometimes that's the seventh inning. Sometimes that's the ninth inning. It is not. We've got this guy called a closer that's going to get this thing called a save because I'm not. I'm no longer paying for that save anymore when it comes to money. And that's the end game in all of this, right? That's what matters the most. But here's just some food for thought, Rich. Okay, the two mm-hmm. guys that you focused on, Robertson and uh, Britton. Mm-hmm. How much of what they got is as a result of the fact that they have been closers? I think what they, I, I think uh, to me, they got that money because they're really good pitchers and they've proven that they can pitch in high leverage situations. Now, just so happens that they've pitched in closing situations. Andrew Miller's really never been a closer and he's gotten paid a ton of, ton of money. Uh, Archie Bradley, if he comes up for arbitration, is going to get a ton of money because he's yep. pitched in high leverage situations. Josh Hader. You know, the, oh, those are new names that have come up who have never closed, but yet, um, you know, really good, that are very, very good pitchers. So, I mean, Cody Allen uh, was an inferior pitcher to Andrew Miller, and he was the closer. Well, yeah, at, at times, yes, but Cody Allen also was a pretty good closer. Yeah, Last but he was, was not as he was he was not as good as Andrew Miller. You watched did you watch some of the world's or some of the the playoff games last year when Josh Hader came in, it was like game over. They got the best pitcher mm-hmm. in, he's going to go he's going to get the most important guys out. Who's the closer, Timmy? Who was the closer for the Brewers? Like no one even talked about that. Everybody talked about Josh Hader. We just got to get the Hader man in there and we're going to be good because he's going to get the toughest outs in, in the in the game. Yeah, but again, how many Josh haters are out there? There's a lot of guys that throw hard, Timmy. I'm not sure there's many Josh haters <laughs> out there, but there's a lot of guys that throw throw really, really hard that uh, they're going to put in wherever those wherever the opportunity is out there. And uh, my my point is, the game is changing. We're seeing it yes, right before our eyes. Um, it's encouraging to know like tout wars and labor and, and places like, I don't know if labor's moved to an on-base percentage league. That's a more modern way to look at the statistical makeup of games. I think it's time to retire the saves and go, you know, those guys who first came up with the rotisserie league game, I don't even think they, I don't know if they even had saves. I can't remember. I mean, maybe they didn't have strikeouts yeah. or was one of them. Like, they they're have, not. They didn't have strikeouts strikeouts and stolen stolen bases i think or run scored i can't i'd have to i'd have to go back saves is always part of the game let's not equate those to the founding fathers of the united states there's not ben franklin and thomas jefferson those guys around the round table where we have we have constitutional (laughs) attorneys that go and and fight for the u.s constitution and, and understand it it is not the same thing so let's evolve this game let's change this game and uh, a lot of people listen to our show, Timmy, and uh, and I've actually been prodded by by a lot of general managers that this should be talked about in the fantasy ranks uh, because they I don't agree. understand they don't understand why we're why we've held on to. In fact, there's a couple of the general managers who used to play fantasy baseball, and they're like, never understood it then, and I definitely don't understand it now that I'm in this job. Like, why do you guys care about save so much? That's exactly what somebody asked me. Why do you care about saves so much? Like, I have no idea. I didn't create the because game. The, because <laughs> the final out of every game creates a win. 
No, is that final out more more important than the fifth out? That's up for debate, right? Yeah, because that's right. If I got Mike Trout up with the bases loaded in the eighth inning, you know, when I'm down a run with two outs and, you know, I have have an inferior pitcher in there um, and he gives up the hit, then, yeah, then that that position right there was way more important. And Timmy watched enough baseball games to know there are almost every game there is a there is there is a uh, except for blowouts obviously there is a time right. in the game when something that like like that comes up and it's like and if you've got Zach Britton sitting in the bullpen waiting for a closer uh, situation to come up and I'm not going to use him unless there is a there is a save on the line. It makes yeah. it made no sense to me in the past. It's in the general managers and baseball guys are going, well, that really doesn't make any sense. Well, let's let's bring in Mariano Rivera now. Let's bring him in. What? Oh, yeah, I, I totally agree with that. When you've got one and two outs, the game's on the line in the eighth inning, bring your closer, your ninth inning guy in. You know, do what you have to do to get that out, which is, which is why – uh, even though he hasn't been dominant per se in the saves category, I like the way the Reds have used Rachel uh, Iglesias. What's wrong with having a pitcher that can pitch two innings? That to me is not <laughs> blasphemous. That makes sense. If you need an out in the eighth inning, like you said, if Mike Trout is out, the bases are loaded, and you're going with your setup guy, and you've got Craig Kimbrell sitting sitting in the bullpen chomping at the bit, get Craig Kimbrell in there. Let's have yeah. your best guy. Yeah in that situation. Oh, definitely. That, that, uh, that faux pas with Britain sitting in the bullpen warming up for, I don't know how long it was. That, that, that to me was just bad management. And I think it went a ways to changing the game, Timmy. Everybody saw it and go, my God, what are we doing? Like, what have we become <laughs> that we've got? <laughs> Timmy, remember when he was sitting in the bullpen, he was talked about potentially getting Cy Young, Cy Young votes. This was one of the best pitchers in the league that this year, that particular yeah. year, and he was sitting down waiting for a safe situation. When we get back, Timmy, I don't know if we're going to continue. <laughs> i got to get a drink of water. <laughs> talk 45 minutes about this. I mean, I'm clearly passionate about it. I, we probably went on way yeah. too long, but that's the way it goes. It's, uh, it just annoyed me as I'm going through this, this, uh, well, after I'm sending you this note with these lousy pictures and like, I can't, bu-. and you told me pick a better picture, leave, leave those guys to the end. Why are you messing with that? And I'm like, yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> but, I, but I gotta have it to me because it's a draft and hold. And uh, if I get five yeah. saves out of guy, that could that could mean that could mean a, dif- a difference in being in the money. So I, that's why I had to do it. <laughs> Wait, ex- exactly. You know, there's always there's always options, and the trick is to pick the one that you believe is best and will help contribute to an overall positive result. And sometimes it, it means looking at things a little bit differently, and that's good. You should you should challenge. We should all challenge ourselves to look at the game on an ongoing basis. So what is your strategy for for drafting closers then? I mean, what, is it changed uh, from last year to this year? You're still trying to get closers early or one good closer and then chase saves? I mean, what, what are you doing? 
Well, in a draft and hold, you're obviously looking at setup guys. But for me, I want I want closers that I believe are are going to hold the job. And I'm not so keen on, you know, the Kimbrell, the Chapman, the Jansen. Okay, yeah, Diaz, your, your elite three or four. I can pass on those guys if I can get, say, uh, Ozuna in Houston. Uh, Vasquez in Pittsburgh, uh, Brad Hand in Cleveland, uh, going through a few other rosters here, training would be one of your top five. Again, I can pass on some of those guys. LeClerc, I like. I want to get a guy that I believe the only way he's going to lose his job is to injury. So I'm focusing on closers in the 7 to 10 range as a first and uh, I'm looking at, as far as backup catchers, hey, Arch, Archie Bradley, uh, I'm going to stay away from Atlanta because nothing has been defined there yet. I'm going to stay away from the Cubs for now for the same reason. And Iglesias is fine. I like Alvarado as a longer shot. Uh, second rider in Miami. He's got the job. Who's going to challenge him, Adam Conley or, or Tyron Guerrero? Uh, those are the sort of guys I like as a second. And as a third, eh, I'll roll the dice. I'll take a Michael Gibbons as my third catcher. I mean, sorry, your my third, third closer. Yeah, you got to get Michael Gibbons as your second closer because he's got the gig too, and the, the Orioles aren't going to be very good. So, I mean, unless he completely wets the bed, which is possible that he does this. Let mm-hmm. me change the tone a little bit. I'm sick with closers, though. Okay. Craig Kimbrell. Kirk Kimball got a lot of saves, but if you take a look at that walk rate, starting to get a little dangerously high. He's still sitting on mm-hmm. the open market. The only place that's really there, I think, is the Red Sox. Yeah. Is he beginning to feel a lot like Greg Holland from last year, where Greg Holland, remember the saves he got when he was in Colorado the year before mm-hmm. that? I mean, it was 40-plus, and he was one of the best closers in the game. Again, a different – well, before Greg Holland had Tommy John surgery, you could put him in the category of – of uh, Craig Kimbrell, but um, does it feel like we're heading to a Greg Holland situation where there was it was it was musical chairs? He was left without a chair, and then it just all blew up uh, last year. And people who drafted Holland as their closer going into 2018 season just it was bad. Are we heading that way with Craig Kimbrell? Um, I don't think we are yet. You're looking at a guy that struck out 96 and 62 and a third last year. You know, the whip was under one. The ERA was 2.74. Do I think we have seen the best we will ever see from Craig Kimbrell? I think that's entirely possible. But we're talking about a guy that saved 333 games. He's what? Bedding into his age 31 season, I have to believe there's he's got a little bit more left in the tank. Uh, you know, like I said, he's got a lot of saves, a lot of history. I'm not concerned yet, but, hey, he's not getting any younger, right? My So, first of all, Holland had uh, 41 saves in 2017, struck out 11 per nine, and he walked four right. per nine. It's a lot like Craig Kimbrell, just FYI. Um, mm-hmm. Not to say that, that Holland's a better pitcher. My concern, though, is Holland had eyes the biggest uh, as, as saucers set and go, I'm not budging until I get a big-time contract 
And then it was musical chairs, Timmy, and, and there was there was none left, and he had to walk off the stage. Is Craig Kimbrell going to be in the same position where all of a sudden he misses all of spring training and he he tries to come back too fast like like Holland did, and it's a bad year? Um, I don't think so. I, I think Boston will sign him sometime in the next two to three weeks. Boston cannot go into the season, okay, next year with Matt Barnes, Marco Hernandez, Ryan Brasier, and Tyler Thornburg anchoring their bullpen. And I, I think it's just agreeing on the, on the final number, and Kimbrell, settle back in with Boston, and away you go. But actually, Boston needs to get themselves two to three relief pitchers. Uh, yeah, not, they've, not, you're right, and they've, they've sat out. I mean, and it's, you know, look, I, I, re- I went, again, going back to those playoff games, Craig Kimbrell was not very good, particularly in, in that Astros series. He was not good at all. And, well, you held your breath when he came in. Timmy, he was given up hard hit after hard hit and pitched a little bit better in the World Series. But we started to mm-hmm. see a little bit of what, you know, what was kind of underreported during the year because the Red Sox just blew out everybody. Uh, the Craig Kimbrell started to wobble a little bit last year, and I, I think general managers have seen that. Yeah, no, you, you can't argue that he did struggle in the playoffs. But I, I think the biggest problem right now with, with Kimbrell is he wants six years and $100 million. Well, he might have to settle for four and uh, four and seventy-five. And I, I don't know. The reality is in place – that he's not going to get a six-year deal from anybody, then I think we'll see him see him settling. But Boston's put themselves into the same the same corner that Kimbrel has. They're both they both need each other right now, and I think eventually they'll find a way to resolve it. Just saying, Timmy, Kimbrel a five walk per nine in 2016, a 1.83 yeah. walk in 17, 4.48 walk per nine in. 2018. So, last two out of three years, he's gotten really, really lucky uh, because those walks, uh, they, they and they came back to haunt him in the uh, in the playoffs. Uh, the season he was okay, but uh, again, that's that's my only worry with that. And I think he better put his tail between his legs and go ahead and sign because people are playing hardball with him. Well, yeah, and you know what. Six years and a hundred hundred million dollars is what he was looking for. There's a reason they're playing hardball. That's a big chunk of change. It is, which gets it back to my whole point that we spent 45 minutes talking about. So, and I won't bore everybody. <laughs> Let's move on to your boy. I think it's UC Kukuchi. Is that how I would say it? Yes. UC We all see. Yes. <laughs> Okay, so he signs with the mayor. It's a really complicated deal. Of course, this is Scott Boras' client, so it's going to be complicated. If I have it right, he gets $44 million over three years, but he also has a $13 million player option he can get a fourth year. So it's really 57 over four because he guaranteed that. So even if he's terrible, then he'll he'll still opt for that player option. So that's what's there. But the interesting thing is, the Mariners can then say, well, gee, we love you so much. We will, there's a club option. We'll, we'll do another four years and $66 million. So it could go all the way up to a hundred million dollars. I don't know, Timmy, it's a lot of money. So they clearly like Kikuchi. 
Well, and you know, the, the thing that's not being mentioned, Rich, uh, and it further uh, emphasizes the love that they have for Kikuchi, all of these numbers don't include the posting fee. Add another 8 to $10 million for the posting fee on top of that. You're talking $115 million on the total package if it goes through. That's a lot of coin. It is. And, uh, it's you know, but with uh, uh, Depoto basically trading everybody away, I mean, they, he's got to have somebody that, that heavy Asian uh, Seattle market that they can come and watch. And I thought, I thought it was a good move and uh, to sign him. And he clearly he was going to sign with a, with a West coast team. So I, I think it was a good signing from a business standpoint for the Mariners. I, I don't know if he's any good or not. I mean, I've, I've heard mixed reports that people have seen him. I've heard somebody tell me he's, he's just, he's a different pitcher than, um, than you Darvish was or that uh, Shoei Otani was. We're not talking like a massive arm like that those guys had and just wipe out splitters. He's more of a kind of a 93 to 94 mile an hour fastball with a really good slider as opposed to doesn't have, oddly enough, one of the Japanese guys, he doesn't have that wipeout classic splitter. But he's a lefty, which is, you know, there haven't been a whole lot of lefties coming in for, for Japan. So it's a different cat. Some people like him. Other people think he's more of a four. So I don't know what to think. Well, I, I think the velocity is a little bit understated. He usually works 94, 96 with the fastball, and he can, br- he can bring it up to 98. So he's got, he's got good velocity. Uh, he's basically a, two ball, uh, a two-pitch pitcher. He's going to throw you fastballs, and he's going to throw you sliders, and both are very, very good. He experimented with a with a, a two-finger fastball last year, and, you know, he does have a, a curve and I think a change in his repertoire, but you're going to see mostly those two pitches coming from the guy. You never see him. I mean, you know, I've – I, I've watched some tape of him or some you know YouTube videos. I never saw him throw yeah. a changeup. So, and the guy I spoke yeah. with said yeah. that he rarely throws it. Nobody really knows how good it is. And Timmy, mm-hmm. two pitch pitchers don't make it in the major leagues. So, just FYI, I mean, you have to have a third pitch to keep arm side guys off of you. I mean, so it's uh, or, or excuse me, glove side guys off. He's, he's got to keep right handers off because he can't throw him a, a slider because it's coming into him. So he's got to throw him a changeup that's going to go away from him. And uh, that's that's a problem. There's a lot of right-handed batters out there. <laughs> so, yeah, probably about sixty-five percent. Um, I'm reasonably <laughs> confident that he will be a solid number three with potential number two upside. That's that's basically you, where I'm slotting him in. Were you at all concerned about? Um, there was a little line. I think it was in the either the the um, press press report they did or was in an interview with them that. Every fifth start or fourth start, he's only going to pitch an inning or two because they're trying to reduce his innings uh, just to try to get over this. Uh, everybody seems to be having Tommy John surgery coming over from Japan. Did that bother you at all? No, I, I think what, what we're going to see is, is we're going to see on, on short rest, we're, we're going to see them going five innings out of them this year. So I've downshifted on his innings to – uh, about 165, 170, somewhere in there. I so don't think many, they're going to have him throwing 200 innings in his first season. No, I don't think that'll happen. All right, so so big shot. Give me innings pitch. You just said it. Wins, which I'm not curious of. Yes, yeah. <laughs> so wins. One strikeout in ERA. <laughs> okay, ERA 360. Strikeouts 170. Strikeout per inning pitched. 
And if he accomplishes both those numbers, he would finish. How many wins? Uh, Twelve. Oh yeah, I think that's that's generous. (laughs) Do we want do we want to read off the lineup for the Mariners? (laughs) (laughs) No. Yeah, but if he pitches to a 360 ERA, he's going to get 10 to 12 wins. Okay. All right, that's, that's possible. I, I, I don't know what to think, Timmy. I, I can't even do a stake yeah, and break a bet. I, 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 I want to see him pitch. Uh, I want to see him pitch first before uh, before I do that. But, I mean, you're more of the Japanese mm-hmm. expert than I am. It's just, I know he's a short guy. I, I don't know. I, I, I worry about these Japanese pitchers coming over. Uh, but hopefully yeah. Scott Boris is on to something and – Limiting, forcing the Mariners to limit his innings will help him because we don't want him to spend a year and a half on the shelf because he's got Tommy no. John surgery. Yeah, just as a as a comparison, Rich, if he attains that 360 ERA and strikes out one per inning, that makes him a top 35 starter for next year. Yeah, all right. If, so that's a if he can do those two things. Pitcher. That's a number three pitcher. So yeah, number three. Yeah. Um, we've talked enough about closers to me. I don't even want to go that. So, uh, so, so you're, you're a couple of guys, a couple of Mets signees to me. were very interesting. One of your old guys, and I, I, I have it in the notes, all in, all in capital letters, guy, Keon Broxton yeah. is signed by the Mets. And then the Mets also do a sneaky little acquisition. I guess he was acquired by the Mets. They did a sneaky, a sneaky little acquisition with J.D. Davis, so one of these Houston Astros guys that was sitting alongside of A.J. Reed. I mean, anybody with right. two initials in their first and middle middle name seemed to not have any favor with the Houston Astros. The guy's got some pop. He can hit a little bit. Yeah. Is there it's any love news. there for Broxton or Davis? Well, you know, you look at Ligaris, okay, and, you know, right now he's penciled into center field. Uh, uh, I read something about the Mets not even being confident that they'll see Suspedes at all this year. So mm-hmm. if that's the case, okay, you're looking at the Mets going into the season with Nemo and uh, Conforto on the corners and center field being manned by Juan Ligaris prior to this trade, who in 2016 had 142 at-bats, 2017, 252, and 2018, 59 at-bats. I sort of like the Broxton signing. Uh, you know, y- you can you can say what you want about Broxton, but Ligaris actually hasn't proven to be able to maintain any semblance of health. So there could be some at-bats for Broxton, and there could be some stolen bases, uh, which in deeper leagues I think could hold value. So, no, I'm, I'm not trumping or taunting or, or as a, as a top-tier type player, but – Based on Lagares' history, Broxton could get some at-bats. So, Timmy, uh, I have to read three numbers out to you. Um, and I'll okay. let you guess what percentage this is. 36. Mm-hmm. 36.1, 37.8, and 31.5. Yep. What percentage that, related to Keon Broxton is that? That's his walk rate, Rich. I know <laughs> Yes, I that know it has strike, to be. That's the that's only thing it strike, could be. That's his strikeout rate, Timmy. It, it, it's it's yeah. it's, dude. That guy, he can't recognize a breaking pitch to save his life. I mean, that's that's the problem. No. I mean, he's got pop. He's got speed. He just can't hit. 
No, yeah, and he plays great D. Yeah, but I and don't, don't get me Mets, wrong. I I, I, I'm right with you. Yeah. I think it's a great signing by the Mets, and I think he gets playing time. And if you know if he can maintain a high yeah. bab, it, there could be something there. But uh, and I'm considering drafting him in the draft and hold league I'm in. So I mean, I I I kind of like it. You know, I, I think you could. You know what? Yeah, he's he's going to strike out between thirty and forty percent. That's a given. But when he does get on base, he might give you some of those stolen bases, which will hold value. If he plays half a season in New York, okay, which based on what Lagares has done over the past three years, yeah, I I think half a season is a reasonable expectation. You could get fifteen to twenty stolen bases, and that could make a difference. I always comped, uh, if you recall, long-time, long-time yeah. listeners of our show will say, who did I always comp uh, Keon Broxton to? And it was Lewis Brinson. And <laughs> the problem is the strikeout rates are similar, but uh, Lewis never walks. At least Keon Broxton, at least he can work a walk every once in a while. I mean, it's it, yeah, granted he had a, a 217 batting average last year, but at least it came with a 281 on base percentage. Which you know is bad, but it's it's not. It, it, I don't even want to look at Lewis Brinson. Might have had a he, had, he hit like one seventy. Might have hit one eighty from a from an on base percentage. I mean, it, it was bad. So what you're saying is, if Lewis Brinson picks up the pace someday, he might be Keon Broxton. <laughs> I'm beginning to think that uh, I, instead of copying them, I should have said it's a poor man's Keon Broxton. Let me just uh, oh, and I do and trust me, I do love Lewis Brinson. I I, I mean he's a fine yeah. kid and he's a 199 batting average, Whew. the 240 on base percentage. I mean, it doesn't get much worse than that. <laughs> so. No, that's creeping the bottom of the barrel, Rich. It really oh, is. my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Um, talk to me about J.D. Davis, Timmy. Uh, I kind of like that as well because, I mean, yes. unless you believe in Jeff McNeil and, and uh, Todd Frazier, I kind of like it. Yeah, I, I kind of like it too. Uh, a new lease on life, and Davis, Davis can hit uh, for power. There's no doubt about that. Maybe the change of senior will do him good. And the thing is, what did it cost the Mets? Not a whole heck of a lot, did it? No. I mean, yeah, they got yeah, so. Naya, a nice little pitcher. I mean, it, there's some, they gave some talent up. I mean, it, it wasn't uh, for yeah. free. But uh, I don't know if those guys, both those guys, I wonder if they were um, uh, the general managers when he was with um, – the agency. I wonder if they were his players. I, I, I wanted to look that. I think they should. Some whoever's writing about that should say former play, former represented by uh, Van Brodenden or not. So I, I think we should have that. <laughs> yeah, that's information that might be handy to know, right? Yeah, because it feels very it just feels very incestuous over there. I don't know, Timmy. I, I'm I'm struggling with that whole thing. But when we get back, let's talk about the AL East and prospects. Timmy, got I hope you got some energy, man, because we got a long way to go. Yeah. But first, Tim, let's talk about closers. So. <laughs> yeah, I, I got my six-hour nap in this afternoon, Rich, so I should be good for at least another 45 minutes. Oh, my goodness, Timmy. It's uh, I'm down here at the beach. I've been here for the last two weeks to hear all this week. Dude, this is this so far this retirement gig is 
pretty nice, man. I was out on a run today on the beach. It was 70 degrees. It, it, yeah. This is great. This is great, man. And you could have had Duluth. Giving that up for Duluth, like Rich, I'm disappointed again. I know. I'm all done. My prospect work. I've got seven more capsules to write with the Rangers, but everything else is is locked into the. uh, Yeah. So uh, I've got the other four in the AL West already loaded on the site, just waiting for the days for them to get published. I've got seven more capsules to write. So a couple, three more hours, maybe tomorrow. And that project, Timmy, 450, 450 capsules I wrote. And I must have been insane when I took that on. That's a lot of work, man. Well, yeah, there, there's a reason that you have, uh, you have retirement to look forward to. So you, you, can, you can spend a little bit more time working on that. I don't know how you did all that work in the scouting on top of carrying on with the job. I, I know I couldn't have it. And very shortly, you're going to start getting rankings from me, Rich. I'm... Uh, uh, I pretty well got catcher done, but I'm rewriting catcher because I just found I got too snarky, Rich. Uh, uh, like, I, I don't know what happened. Usually I'm, I'm fairly mellow, but I, I turned the snark meter up real good. So I'm rewriting a couple things like, like uh, Wellington Castillo, right? Uh-huh. Here's my, co- here's my comment. I prefer my beef steroid free. Oh, man. That's very funny, Timmy. Leave that in there. That's very funny. I like that. You know, I, I, I can understand why you're snarky on uh, on, on catching. Timmy, it's terrible. I mean, after JT Romuto and maybe Gary Sanchez, I mean, I mean, he can be snarky about that. What, did he hit 190 last year? I mean, was he below Lewis Brinson? Is that possible? Well, you know, I think this year will go a long way in determining whether he's Mike Zunino or Mike Piazza. And right now I'm leading more Zunino. How's that? Yeah, I could be. I'm I'm seeing what Gary Sanchez hit last year. Let's see, over or under. Oh, this is a great game, Timmy. So here's guess the player. Hold hold on for a second. Guess the player. So this is a 50-50, Timmy. So wait a minute. This is great. Uh, (laughs) I've got to get the music on. We haven't done the music in a while. So, Timmy, we've got the great Lewis Brinson batting 199. Over, under. Gary Sanchez hit under Lewis Brinson or over Lewis Brinson last year? Gary Sanchez hit 186 last year. It's carved into my soul, Rich. <laughs> That's you are correct. He, he he was worse than Lewis Brinson. Now, I'm sure his, let me check his, his, uh, he hit 186. Yeah, he had a 291 on base percentage. So, so he 50 points better than Louis Brinson. But uh, wow, that's bad, Tim. That's not good. No, no. And <laughs> that is one of the highlights of the catching category, Rich. Amongst many, amongst many. Okay. And the amazing thing it was Gary Sanchez. Timmy was the number one catcher taken last year. Yes, he definitely was, and. One of the top three was uh, Wilson Contreras, and last year he hit more like Jose, more snark. Say <laughs> Contreras, that's very funny. Timmy, don't change that. That's good stuff, man. That's good stuff. Well, like I said, I I just looked at it and I saw like ninety percent snark, and I'm thinking to myself, am I really that much of a miserable sob, Rich? <laughs> it, it was, it's tough. It really is. Yeah, well, Timmy, I, I can't, I can't help you with that. 
<laughs> so you'll have to live with yourself on it. I can just do it from an editor standpoint. I, I kind of like it. So <laughs> that's, that's the way I look at it. All right, Timmy, let's talk. Speaking of snark, let's talk about the yeah. Baltimore Orioles. And I know who you're going to pick here, but I just okay. have to ask it anyways. Richie Martin or Cedric Mullins? Not who would you rather? Night and day. Cedric Mullins. Well, Martin's got more speed, does he not? Uh, yes, but they're both 24, and Martin has never got past double A. And Cedric Mullins has a job carved in stone. Richie Martin, I don't know what they're going to do. They, they might put Wilkerson as second and VR at shortstop. VR has to stay at second base for Martin to get at bats at shortstop. I I just don't know how that whole situation's going to unfold in Baltimore. Yeah, you know, if you want to throw Martin in uh, in the draft and hold later on, yeah, sure. They got to keep him on the roster, but I'm just not sure how that's going to sh- shake down in Baltimore right now. Is VR going to be at shortstop or second base? That'll determine a lot of it. Uh, you know, it's uh, and Wilkerson. Where does Wilkerson play? They, I've seen some, you know, some talk that Wilkerson might be at second base. So that forces VR to either third or shortstop. It's just an ugly situation, Rich. Well, the one thing we know is that Richie Martin has to stay on that roster or he gets returned. Yes. And, you know, that was one of the first uh, – uh, that's the first decision, player decision, that the Orioles made in the new regime was Richie Martin. That was That's the first guy. So you would think yep. they'd want to <laughs> they'd keep him. Yeah, he's, he is the number one pick. He can He will go down in history with being able to say that he was the number one pick in the Rule 5 draft. But it's still a number one pick. It counts for something, right? That means the team – you know what that means, Timmy? You were the best of the worst because to get to the Rule 5 pick means your team that you came from thought there were 40 other players – on their or in their organization who were better than you. And I have to tell you, Timmy, I wrote about the Oakland athletics, that farm system is mm-hmm. not very good. So the fact that I, I, you know, look, I'm not a general manager and Billy beans way smarter than me, president of operations mm-hmm. over there, but man, I, I'm hard pressed to find out, find 40 players that are better than Richie Martin in that organization. I, I'm really hard pressed. <laughs> So, in other words, what you're saying is Richie Martin is, in fact, the 1,201st best player in the league. Yeah, what I'm saying is that it seems odd to me that the Oakland A's first-round draft pick Mm -hmm. gave up on Richie Martin. And why did they do that? We don't know that answer. No, but I think we can surmise based on the fact that he's 24 and still in double A, right? But I do think there's something there. The guy's got some speed. He can hit a little bit. He's got a yep. little pop. So there's definitely something there. I do a, a steak yep. and liquor bet. Hey, what the hell? Let's do a steak and liquor bet. Uh, higher okay. uh, baseball HQ. Um, this is really stupid. I can't do this. I can't do it because Cedric Mullins, is, he's going to have higher. But I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, who has a higher um, value at the end of the year based on baseball HQ? Richie Martin or Cedric Mullins? You good? Uh, being the sporting guy that I am, Rich, I'll give you five bucks on that, okay? Okay. So you're saying that that he Cedric Mullins has out-earned Richie Martin by $5? Yes. 
I'm in like dinner on that. I actually might have a I might have a swinging chance on that one. So thank you for your <laughs> benevolence, Timmy. I appreciate that. So it is much appreciated. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy birthday. There you go. Um, So, Timmy, I might be the only person on the planet that is still intrigued by Dylan Bunny. Now, hear me out. Hear me out first. Again, brutal year, but he was really unlucky. A 17.8% home run to fly ball ratio. He struck out almost 10 per nine. He walked three per nine. So that's over... It's over a three to one strikeout the walk ratio. Look, he doesn't throw in the in the mid nineties anymore like he did before Tommy John surgery. And then Buck Shaw Walters might have ruined him. And I, I understand that. But look, this is a this is the Astros East that's come in. Really smart guys that help yep. build that, that dynasty in in uh the Houston organization. I think of Charlie Morton who was pitching 93, 92 miles an hour when he came into the Houston Astros organization. It started hitting 98 miles an hour. I'm intrigued by Dylan Bundy. He's got great secondary stuff, and maybe they can work with him to kind of increase that velocity. I still think there's something there, Timmy. Call me crazy, but I still like Dylan Bundy. Well, you know what? In April, he pitched to a 360 ADRA. In four starts in June, a, a 190 ERA. Now, we're not going to discuss the other four months, but the two <laughs> the months cherry, of the year. Cherry picking is, is, is applicable here, Timmy. I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I went to the end of the earth, okay, to find those stats, Rich, okay? But, you know, hey, if, if he – the only concern with Bundy, uh, other, other than the fact of all the ones you've mentioned – is that if you do start him at the wrong time, he could really do damage to your ERA. I think if you're looking at Bundy as a sixth, seventh, eighth starter, yeah, sure. Why, why not? Why not toss a dart? You know, we've seen we've seen him in the past have stretches where he has been an, an effective pitcher uh, as a, a ladder round pick. Yeah, toss a dart. What do you got to lose? You'll cut him if it doesn't work out, right? Yeah, and I'm uh, I'm still a little in on Dylan Bundy, so I still have hope. Uh, I still remember seeing him when he was 19 years old and hitting 97 miles an hour with a beautiful curveball, and he threw a cutter, and the Orioles just mm-hmm. ruined him, Timmy. They ruined him. They they had him stop throwing the cutter, which was his best pitch. Walter just blew his arm out after he came back from Tommy John surgery, so you know he'll probably never be as wealthy as he possibly could have been because of one BS Buckshaw Walter. Uh, heavy on that BS, Rich. Cut it. All right, Timmy. So you've, your voice has changed. So tell me what you're doing. Is it? Are you getting something to drink? Yes, I am doing exactly that, Rich. I'm in the kitchen. I just grabbed a couple ice cubes and I'm pouring myself a little bit more of the Coca-Cola so I can make it through the last half hour because I was getting a little on the dry side. All right. Well, as you get that, we will pay go for soda and take a little okay. break. <laughs> little Kim Mitchell. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. <laughs> nobody hurts nobody cries. All right, 
enough of that, Timmy. The shows we've gone on too long. <laughs> so I just looked at the minute and forty seconds. So you should have told me you needed to you needed something to drink, then you could have done the whole thing while the music was playing. Well, you know, you're too astute and picked up on it right away. I, I got to work on my deception, my deception a little bit more, Rich. Thought I could sneak it in. Yeah, yeah, the deception, Timmy. I, I picked up the, I picked up the curveball right away. You didn't, you didn't. <laughs> I knew it was a curveball all the way. So, so as you're guzzling your your cherry, is it cherry coke or just regular coke, Tim? Just regular coke, Rich. I'm, <gasps> I'm, 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 I'm coming back. Oh. The cutting back, interesting, interesting. So, is is there anybody else on this team, Timmy, that uh, fantasy owners should be like getting to the draft table and salivating when they see him on the top of the queue? Uh, definitely not salivating, but there are a couple. You know, for later on in drafts, there are a couple of players that sort of intrigue me a bit. Renato Nunez at third base. Alex mm-hmm. Cobb actually pitched well down the stretch. I think in his last eleven, twelve st- starts, his ERA was in the twos. Trey Mancini should give you 20 home runs. I haven't given up on Chance Cisco yet. Uh, as a second catcher, he's a little bit interesting. And, of course, uh, Michael Givens, because every team needs a closer. Yeah, well, I, I don't even talk about it anymore. What about Austin Hayes, Tim? You didn't mention Austin Hayes. Remember him? He was really good when he came up for a cup of coffee and a few uh, mm-hmm. two years ago, and then didn't play at all last year. Well, that's 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 the thing. It, Mildly intrigued, but uh, I don't think he's breaking camp with that team. What about one of my guys? One of my guys, Timmy, that I always like is a a pudgy guy that can really run. Uh, It's got a little pop in DJ Stewart. Yeah, I was thinking about DJ Stewart because he should have one of those outfield jobs breaking camp. So, yeah, good call. I like it. Yeah, I've always I've always been a bit of a fan of DJ Stewart. I think I've liked him more than others have. But uh, I'll just say, over under, will they lose more games uh, this year than they did last year? I can't remember the number, but it was a it was a very big number last year, Tim. Um, they will lose more games this year, but they still won't be the worst team in baseball. I'm going to reserve that for the Marlins. Interesting. Well, I, oh boy, that's uh, that's 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 strong words, Timmy, because that Baltimore team is not very good. <laughs> so uh, we'll have to we'll, and one in a show we're going to do the Marlins versus the Orioles and go position by position and and really see if if what you're saying is true because uh, at least Bundy I think's got some talents. Cobb's got some talent. Cashner they they have a they have three pitchers that might be able to to provide some innings for the Orioles. So that might help. Yeah. Like I, like I said, I, I think the Marlins uh, in a head to head, they're going to, they're going to be the worst team. Chris Davis. There's absolutely no reason to, to draft Chris Davis. Correct. Uh, masochistic tendencies. That would be the only recommendation I have. Yeah. I mean, he could, he can make the great Tim McLeod's waiver wire at some point because in fact, he did last year. If I recall, Tim, because yeah. we, we have 15 minutes abusing you on that. So I remember well, yeah. that. And you know what? And thank at you for that. I, I appreciate it. One week, yeah. In one week this year, he'll hit three home runs. He'll be on my waiver wire. Okay. <laughs> and I, and I will be saying, are you out of your mind, Mr. McLeod? So it's, it's uh, what, Again. would it be great great if uh if chris davis just said you know look i'm i can't hit anymore i want to get on the bump because he can throw like 92 93 miles an hour so that'd be great just like let me pitch 
Well, but then again, would he be? <laughs> here's our next steak and liquor bet. Would he be better or worse than Dylan Bundy? Oh, sorry, that's bad. Oh, Timmy, <laughs> that's just that just hurts. That hurts me oh, to the core. I I. I will have the last laugh, like much like I did with Mitch Haniger. Um I can't remember who that guy. I wish it was some one of those one of those goofy Facebook pages. Got into a big argument with somebody who just ripped me a new one on Mitch Haniger. Timmy told me I was out of my mind. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what I was talking about, and so forth. Of course, Mitch Haniger turned out to be pretty darn good. Do you think the guy ever yes. reached back out to me and said, "You know, you were right and I was wrong"? No, didn't. Rich. You weren't expecting it, were you? <laughs> but I do think about that. I just wish I could remember. Her. I think it was some guy named Walter. Is that his name? I don't even remember mm-hmm. who it was. But some guy mm-hmm. really, really torched me on it. And then uh, turned mm-hmm. out uh, the Chandler but never, never got a, you know, Wilson, you're still an idiot, but at least this time you got it right. So, uh, <laughs> so. Well, you know what, I, I had I had somebody bring up there was a team available and it was posted on one of the, on the Facebook page Baseball 365, and one of the players on the team was Charlie Tilson. So somebody had to jump in there with, with Tim Tim taking that team. It is. It was pretty funny actually. You, you spend a lot of time chuckling. You really do. Yeah. Right, let's move on to the Boston Red Sox, the world champion Boston Red Sox. First question, Timmy. Obviously. Yes. What's Give me a percentage of what chance they have to repeat to the World Series. Not necessarily win it, because that's somewhat random. Not random. It's, mm-hmm. There's a lot of What do you think their chances of getting back to the World Series to navigate the Houston Astros and the New York Yankees to get by those to represent the American League in the World Series? Uh, with their current bullpen, uh, none. Uh, yeah. Assuming they upgrade in that direction... I, I would have to put Boston, Houston, and the Yankees all at about on a par, and I think it'll go down to who has the better series. They're all three very, very good teams, assuming yeah. Boston fixes the pen. Yeah, and I think uh, I agree with you there. I mean, that's not a very good pen, and I think uh, signing of Craig Kimbrell is, is, even if he's the Craig Kimbrell of 2017, uh, I, yeah. I, 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 they need more than that, Timmy. They, uh, today's game, yeah. you need more than that. Yep, you definitely do. Uh, uh, one of the guys that that you've you've mentioned on this list could fi- could find himself in that bullpen situation fairly soon, and that's uh, Hernandez. Yeah, Darwin. Yeah, Darwinson and Hernandez. I like him. So, all right. So, Timmy, the uh, yeah. first one is about JBJ. As you know, I've been a big JBJ fan, big makeup guy, good dude. Uh, always thought he'd have power. Did that first year, huge swing and miss. Well, he's been budding up to J.D. Martinez like everybody on the Boston Red Sox, and he started changing his swing during the year, and he was terrible. Yeah. I mean, he was not very good. Speed came back a little bit. I don't know how he sold 17 bases, but he did. But yeah. we started to see, and, you know, again, you can say, well, small sample size, but he was pretty darn good. In the playoffs, the powers, he started showing the power. And if you didn't know what was going on, you go, oh, it was complete luck. He just, you know, was able to yoke a couple of them mm-hmm. out. I think there's more intention there than uh, than maybe the average, you know, the average baseball fan would think that it was luck. I think there's something bigger there that's brewing with Jackie Bradley Jr. And therefore, I'm suggesting 25-plus home runs this year. What do you say? Even a blind squirrel 
finds the audio. Oh, man. Just, it's just me and you are at odds on this podcast. You just, we're not agreeing <laughs> on anything. You got under, would you like to do a steak and liquor bet on this? Done like dinner. Okay. <laughs> How about you give me five, Timmy? Would, 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 would you give me would you give me five on five on runs on this one? Uh, would What's I give that? you five? Uh, actually, yeah, I will give you five. I don't think he's going to make it to twenty. Done like dinner. Oh, we're done. Done. Okay. Put it on. That, he had that's thirteen it. last year. Is that it? All right. So he's got yeah, he's got some he's got some work to do. JBJ, man, spend. I want you. I want you moving in with JD Martinez for the next five and a half weeks, man. And I want you just to go to bed with your bat and just swing. So all, all night long, just mimic that upstroke, please. I, I need twenty home runs. All right, so we got twenty home runs for JB. So Mookie bets, Timmy. And it's a stupid question, but I, I have to ask. Does he get? Is there any way that he can get better than what he did last year's MVP season, or was was that the best that a Mookie Betts can do? Well, you can't say that it was his peak, but I don't see where there's a whole lot much you can better on what he did. You know, he might hit a few more home runs, he might steal a few more bases. I think he only hit 80 RBI and drove in 80 runs. So, yeah, maybe he'll drive in 85, but who cares? Uh, I, I I think what we've seen is, is a player that's going to be consistently uh, at the top of the game for the next five years, a little better some years, a little worse others, but he's one heck of a player. So not necessarily better, but you're thinking consistent within some level of, error correction, the way the ball bounces, batting average of balls in play. He's yes. going to be a very similar player that he was in 2018 for the next three to five years. Yeah, I, I have no problems at all with that statement. He's, he's one of the – he's right now one of the two best players in the game. And uh, Troughton bets. There's your one-two. Yeah. So if he has another five years like he did uh, this year, I mean, you could be talk will then start to start to turn on whether he's going to be a Hall of Fame kind of player. So that's I mean, that's how good he was in 2018. So um, I don't think he'll get better than he was in 2000. I mean, that was a remarkable season. But if he does 95 percent of that over the next three to five years, I could definitely see that. So I'm right there with you. Yeah, I know. Right, right now there's a one-two in our game, and then uh, there is a three through eight to ten somewhere in that range, and there's a definite difference between those two players and the group that then follows them. Yeah, and if you pick thirteenth in the NFBC team, you get a Manny Machado. That's 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 which is a huge drop off in my opinion, but that's just me. Um, yeah. I digress, Timmy. Uh, are we still worried yeah. about Chris Dale? I mean, uh, it was not a good end to the season, Timmy. He was on the uh, he was on the DL, and then when the the um, playoffs hit, he, he didn't look like Chris Sale. Yeah, am I personally worried about Chris Sale? He had a shoulder injury. Mm-hmm. Okay, and his velocity was down, and nothing was done other than rest to correct it. Uh, do I think that we could see the Chris Sale we saw two years ago? Yes. Will I draft him as a starting pitcher in the first 20 picks of a draft this year? No, I won't. 
20, I want to sleep. Over, 20, 20 I want to, overall picks. The 20 overall picks. Yeah, yeah okay. overall picks, yeah. I, I want so, I want to go into the season, Rich, where I can go to bed at night and sleep comfortably. And if I own Chris Sale, uh, in the back of my mind, I'm gonna ha- I'm gonna hear those voices saying, "But, but last year his shoulder, his shoulder, it it, it will cause me uh, an undue lack of sleep, and I, I don't want that, Rich. I need my okay. sleep. I'm an old guy. Okay. Yeah, I, know, I understand that, but you slept six hours this afternoon, Timmy. I mean, come on now. So <laughs> that's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot of rest. So so where where so you're not gonna. You might get him after twenty if he's there. If you're picking the twenty first, are you taking him, or are you, are you saying he's got to dra- drop to the third round, or are you just saying, look, I'm just I'm not drafting him this year. I'm not drafting him this year, Rich. Okay. Right. I'm there not saying something. he won't return the value, but for for ease of my mind, I'm staying away from Chris Sale. Yeah. Yeah, I I I think that's plausible. I mean, there's probably some round that he would drop to, which is never going to happen that you would take him the same, same with me. But uh, yeah. uh, I, I think I'm right there with you. Let's say that the Red Sox do not, let's say they go into the season with uh, Matt Barnes and Darwin's and Hernandez and a bunch of other, mm-hmm. who, 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 we talked about closers that not, gets the saves in Boston. Uh, Carson Smith. How's that? I think they resigned him. Wow, Carson Smith, that's a name. Yeah, well, who knows if he – they can't go into the season like that. Uh, the, the name that comes to mind, who's going to get the saves in Boston? It's going to be Craig Kimbrell. That's, yeah. I think it's inevitable. It's just a matter of time before they agree on the money, uh, Richard. All right, Tim, take a quick uh, little drink. Let's take a quick break. We get back. Let's pound out the rest of these. We'll do two more and probably come back with the Toronto Blue Jays next week. Sounds good. We got the New York Yankees, Timmy. Should we make anything about the Tulo signing by the Yankees? I mean, is that of interest to you at all? He does have a no trade clause. Yeah, he's got a no trade clause, but he doesn't have a no cut clause. I was about to say the exact same thing. <laughs> Timmy was right on the tip of my tongue. Exactly. I think he gets cut. I think he gets cut either at spring training or when Didi Gregorius comes back. I, I, I can't believe that he's going to put on the pinstripes and become too low of old or even 80% of too low. Uh, no, I am. You know, at at best, you're going to get a player who's going to fill in until Gregorius returns. Uh, at the very worst, if they sign Machado, that changes the whole mix of things. And you know, I, you know, hey, in, in an AL only, if you're drafting uh, before the end of spring training, yeah, you'll pick them up in an only. So were they playing coy by, by signing him to tell Machado, look, you know, we have alternatives and lower your price? I mean, it really doesn't make sense if they want to sign uh, Manny Machado. Why bring on Troy Tulowitzki? I mean, that's crazy with a no trade, no trade provision in there because you're stuck with them. Well, no, you can cut them. <laughs> they will. Well, you I know, know but so – but but why? I mean, so, but then you you waste five hundred thousand dollars. I think it was. I think it was. I don't know if he's got to make the team, but I think that was guaranteed. I mean, is money that irrelevant to them that they can just play this game? I mean, they had a. There has to be something else going on there, not just oh, we really think Tori Tulowitzki can be our shortstop. 
Really? Half a million, half a million to the Yankees, Rich, is the same as ten cents to me. Hmm. It's it's irrelevant. You know what I mean? It's it's a drop in the bucket. The Jays are paying the freight for them, so what's the worst that's going to happen? Yeah, they cut them loose. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I think that happens. Uh, I I think there's, I think there was a message there with the Troy Tulowitzki, and I do think it was probably at the Manny Machado camp. I think it was a bit of a look. Look what we can do. We want your guy. Yeah, look but we. <laughs> Is the Machado camp doing anything other than chuckling? I guess is the question, right? I don't know. I don't know. It, it just it blo- if yeah. that's in, if we're both saying I think we're both basically saying the same thing. That mm-hmm. I mean, it's still a half a million dollars. I mean, I know it's ten cents, but I mean that's kind of ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. That's a lot of money. <laughs> that's just like oh, okay, this is a this is a a bluff. <laughs> and we're doing a half yes. million dollars. So. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it, the money's irrelevant. It really is. Uh, James Paxson, Timmy, give me his stat line. Innings pitch, wins, strikeouts, and ERA. 160 innings, 380 ERA, 115 whip, 200 Ks, 13 wins. So that's a pretty good pitcher. Is yeah. Does he over, over or under with Kikuchi? Uh, over on the strikeouts, a bit worse on the ERA. Uh, both the same on whip, better on the wins. Yeah, well, let me let me. All right. So you said that he was a top thirty-five. Kikuchi was a top thirty-five pitcher. Is, yes. Is, is Paxton a top thirty-four pitcher or a top thirty-six pitcher? Thirty-four. He's ahead. So he's, of definitely. He, okay, I got it. I got it. Okay. Um, I, I I think I know the answer to this, Timmy, but I still have to ask. Are either mm-hmm. Greg Bird or Greg Bird or Luke Volt the Yankees starting first baseman on opening day? Um, it's possible, but a lot depends on what happens with Manny Machado and how that sorts itself out. Uh, I think eventually we see Miguel Andahar at first base. When is you know it, it's. You know, it, it's gonna it's gonna depend on what happens with Machado. I think how that shakes down. But eventually, Miguel Andahar is going to be traded, or he's going to be at first base. One of the two. So maybe we should back up for a moment. Uh, the tone of my question and the purpose of my question is mm-hmm. underlying that is Greg Bird and Luke Volt really that good? The mighty Yankees, and I, they're not defensive stars, so it's just not like you got Dom Smith over there playing first base, and he's you know he's going to save you a bunch of runs because he's a wizard with a glove. The Yankees are really going to go with with potentially replacement level players at first base. This is the Yankees. Yeah, it it, it is, but right now I would say they probably are. You know what's real interesting is, is if you look at Luke Bolt, okay, yeah. Last year at Memphis in 235 at-bats, right? Nine Mm -hmm. home runs. For the Yankees in 143 at-bats, almost 100 at-bats less, he hit 15 home runs. Mm -hmm. Okay? Uh, My comment in the fantasy guide, my my pan for Luke Bolt was uh, something along the lines of that's an oxymoron for uh, Shane Spencer. Yeah. First, a couple of things. Uh, 
Luke Voigt, um, we Not see this Boyd. happen. No. We see this mm-hmm. happen a lot with Yankees. They come yeah. up and it's it's right. Shane Spencer phenomenon, just like you said. They blow up yeah. in the first 150 at bats. The Yankee press right. falls in love with them. The fans fall in love with them, and then they turn back mm-hmm. into the player that they are. The second thing, right. and this, I just want to bring this up just to make sure that everybody is aware of this. The baseball in the minor leagues is different than the baseball in the major leagues. They are manufactured by two different organizations. They are two different balls. Why this right. is, yeah. is I don't understand that. Um, I'm assuming they could they could crank up the major league um, at least in AAA and have major league baseballs produced for that league as well because it's becoming a problem. Tim, we know that the major league baseball we don't know we surmise that the major league baseball is juiced and it feels like right. that to get a sense for what these minor league players can actually do they should be using the same baseball and I I would like to see that change made at some point as well. It makes sense. I agree. Because maybe, maybe Luke Voigt, the well, first of all, we're seeing when 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 because I do this for 450 <laughs> capsules, mm-hmm. I'm projecting like a guy is going to hit 15 to 20 home runs, and then he hits 25 to 30 home runs when he gets to the major leagues, and people go, "Well, you're really off," and right. it's like, but if it probably used the same ball, <laughs> it probably would have been 15 to 20. It's becoming very mm. difficult to estimate. Uh, unless you just put a factor and say, hey, they're going to hit 20 to 30% more home runs. And maybe that's what that doesn't look really did. I don't know. Yeah, I just have a hard time looking at Luke Bolton and saying the Cardinals gave up on a guy who's going to hit 50 home runs. Hey, yeah, you know, everybody makes mistakes, but the Cardinals don't make mistakes like that You normally, do they? Yeah, Luke Voigt, uh, Luke Voigt is uh, 28 years old at the start of the season. So, I mean, maybe he's a late bloomer. It feels mm. like, Timmy, he's a replacement-level player. Uh, I know that Greg Bird is still very young. It's feeling like Greg Bird with his long swing is a replacement-level player. I can't, I can't believe the Yankees are going to go into the season with those two guys fighting <laughs> and out at first base. I, 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 I'm struggling with that uh, position here on the 6th of January. Yeah, and I can see why you are struggling, but uh, I think a lot is still uh, TBD as far as uh, as far as what that that roster is going to look like. And once Machado signs, that that'll change things a little bit, and we'll have a little bit better idea moving forward. But they got enough offense; they can go with a combination of Bird and Bolt and be perfectly fine. Final questions for the Yankees: Over under twenty five home runs for Gary Sanchez. Under. Ooh, Mr. McLeod, with all, we're very sorry, Mr. and Mrs. Sanchez. We are very much a big fan of your son. Tim McLeod is very snarky. He needs his rest, and he's clearly a little delusional tonight. I'm sorry, Tim, I apologize for you. Why do you say under 25 home runs? Well, uh, I I just think we saw the outlier, and it's hard to support a player, okay, who hit, I don't know, 60. 60 points less than his weight in batting average. So is that a slam on his weight, Timmy, or a slam on his batting average? <laughs> pick, pick one or both. I'll leave that as an optional topic, Rich. How's that? Okay. So let's, let's analyze this a little bit, Timmy, because we're good at that. Yes. Uh, 25% strikeout rate, not good, not Lewis Brinson-like or Keon Broxson-like. 12.3% walk rate, 
pretty yeah. elite there. A 197 yes. batting average of balls in play. It mm-hmm. feels like that that 186 has at least 40 to 50 points of room to grow, uh, which would put him with an on-base percentage in the 330 range if he does that. Yes. I think that changes the equation to me. He did hit 18 home runs and arguably a horrible season for him. So does he do 33 again? I don't know, but I think 25 yeah. feels better for me. You're willing to go stick yeah, a liquor on you... it. You feel that confident. <laughs> Yeah, the one thing that's that's, that's a definite is I think 2019 will be a defining year. I, it, I agree it will with define you. Whether, yeah, 2017 or 2018. At the end of 2019, we'll be able to form a strong opinion, I think, moving forward. How's that? I think 2019 looks more like 2017 than it did in 2018. I think they... I think he got really unlucky last year. I think he was hurt. I think he was hurt more than, than he let on, and he tried to play mm-hmm. through it, and it just all fell apart on the kid. So that's what I think, Timmy. It could be you know, just, just trying to explain something that maybe he's just not that good. Yeah. I'll take the under. You're going to give me five over runs. Look, you're making these bad deals, man. Not me. (laughs) I had to toss that one your way just for the heck of it, eh? I I appreciated the. uh, I I thought if if I could be truthful, I thought the. um, I think we did the Lewis Brinson Keon Broxton. I think I needed a little bit of help there. Giving me five yeah, extra yeah. home runs on Jackie Bradley, I thought, I thought was definitely uh, that was definitely a gift. So I appreciated that. Right. <laughs> so, <Okay. laughs> but you're not giving me five on badges. Okay, I'll take. I am not. Five, so man. I am not. So we're we're there. So Tampa Bay Rays. I mean, the final one, and then we're going to call it quits. Yeah. My gosh, we've been on for an hour and forty five minutes. I know you're a big fan of Jose Alvarado. Over under thirty five saves. Under marginally, I'll go with thirty. You're talking an elite guy, though. Yeah, I am. I You look at his stuff last year, and it was elite stuff. Uh, kid can pitch. Uh, I think he's got the potential to be a solid anchor in that pen until he starts costing the money. And then he goes. Yep, and he becomes a setup guy somewhere. Yep. One of the best pitchers in the yep. league, of course, he won't get saves for you, so he won't be on anybody's team. But for now, he's on everybody's team. Sorry, Timmy. Correct. Right. They'll trade him to Seattle and then the White Sox, and you'll be just like Colin. <laughs> exactly. Uh, do we finally start to uh, see some positive production from my buddy Tyler Glass? I tell you, please tell me yes. I love Tyler Glass now. Yes, we do. Uh, I like what I saw once he uh, once he got traded to Tampa, and I think we see uh, a positive move uh, with Glass. Now, the only concern I have with Glass, though, is everybody else thinks the same thing. And how much helium is going yeah. to be surrounding Tyler Tyler Glasnow come March? That's my concern. That's a brilliant observation, Timmy. You've obviously done mock, mock drafts. I think he is overvaluated. Not overvaluated. I think everybody believes the same thing, which probably means everybody's wrong. <laughs> so, but because uh, he's got a great arm, Timmy, and it's I always worried yeah. that it would take him a while to to adjust and. And uh, I, I still like the kid a lot. I invested in Kevin Kiermeyer yep. in my NFC draft. I got him in the 18th round, and it, I felt warm and, and, and lovely all over when I got him. I felt mm-hmm. really, really happy about that. Tell yep. me, how, how would you feel if you got him in the 18th round? Good or bad? Like, he's still going to get injured all, too much, and it's a wasted pick, Wilson. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah, no, I, 
I'm fine with Kiermaier in the 18th round. I think it's a great spot for him. The only thing is make sure you've got another outfielder to cover in the event of injury. And we've seen plenty of them over the past three years. Uh, you know, he hasn't, his high mark in at-bats is 380. And he's got hurt in every way uh, imaginable to man, pretty much. I, I like Kiermaier there. Uh, but again, make sure you got an insurance policy to cover for the potential DL time. So uh, my only correction on that statement, I think you said something to the effect of if he gets hurt, I'll just change that to when he gets hurt. How about that? Are you yeah. okay with that, Tim? No, <laughs> I can live with that. that. <laughs> yes, uh, there's no over-under there. It's, it's all over. <laughs> right. Uh, Tommy Pham, Timmy, uh, uh, look, he's he can, he's getting by with an elevated bat, but if you could take a look at it. I mean, it's been crazy. His three years since he really came into the league as an, uh, you know, as an older player, it's been 370 bat, Babbitt. I mean, 370, 360, 380, right around for three years in a row. There's 2020 potential, Timmy, but – at some point, that Babbitt's going to give way, and and you know the strikeout crazy bad strikeout rate he's got is going to catch up to him, and you're going to turn around, he's going to be batting the Lewis Brinson territory, and it's not going to be good. Yeah, I, I'm, you know, I, I think you can pencil him in for 20 to 25 home runs, 15 to 20 stolen bases. He walked 67 times last year, so he can get on base, and he's shown he's shown that skill. Uh, you know, he scored 102 runs. Uh, I feel fairly confident that Tommy Pham will have himself a, a potentially uh, 2020 season. Uh, and I think his stock is down, and a lot of people uh, are pushing him down the board. So I think there's an opportunity there, Rich. So just, again, just, just fair warning with everybody. 2018, a 342 Babbitt led to a 275 batting average. 2017, yeah. a 368 Babbitt led to a 306 batting average. 2016, mm-hmm. a 342. Well, it was 183 uh, bats. We're not going to do it. So the last uh, two seasons, yeah. it's been Babbitt led. If he hits more like a 320 Babbitt and he drops 40 points. Don't be surprised if that 277, 275 batting average you did last year turns into 235, everybody. So as long as you can live with that, as long as you're okay yep. with that, there's potential 20 home runs with 15 stolen bases. But don't pencil in. This is my uh, my PSA to everybody. Don't pencil in 275 batting average. I think Tommy Pham's going to do that. The stats would indicate that's highly unlikely. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I'm looking at 235, 245 as a batting average uh, for Tommy Pham. But that combination of power and speed, hitting at the top of the order, the runs scored, still makes him, I believe, an asset. Agreed. And I'm looking at depth depth chart and Seamer both have him at a 255 batting average uh, with a 326 right. Babbitt. So, I mean, that, that math works. So, again, but, you know, yeah. 10 points one way or the other, and all of a sudden it's not good. But, again, he gets on base enough, so it's a 350 on base percentage in those level leagues. Yeah. It's a nice little player to have. It just I just wanted to make sure everybody realizes strikeouts are a little problematic, so just take that into consideration. Tim, this has been a lot of fun. I know we talked too yeah. much. We're getting on the two hours. I was trying to keep the show a little brief, but uh, we got involved in this heated discussion, heavy discussion about closers. I personally loved it, and I appreciate you um, sticking with me on it because I thought it was a, I thought it was yeah. a healthy discussion. 
Yeah, I do as well. And you know, Rich, if you want to finish up the Jays, there ain't much to talk about, and we can take it off the we can take it off the table in a few minutes and get it all wrapped up. I'm okay with that. If you want to finish okay, it up, okay, Timmy. Sure. Stat line for Vlad at bats, home runs, RBI, batting average. 460 at bats, 19 home runs, 65 RBIs, and a 295 batting average. And people hate Is me. That, it, does that return third round value? No, it doesn't. I will not own Vlad Jr. this year if he is drafted. In the, I, I won't own him, period, probably. Uh, he, he's not going to be around. Like, look at Vladdy. Look at Eloy Jimenez, okay? One is going in the third round. The other is going in the ninth, ninth round. I will own Eloy in every league before I'll own Vladdy. It, it's just too much for this stage of his career, in my opinion. I totally agree. I think he's going to be a stud. He could yep. be a stud this year. Uh, we're not saying he can't. He's got the ability, the skills to do that. Uh, but I just worry that the power has yet to fully develop. It's a big, strong kid. And, it, you know, again, the baseball's, the baseball's different. All that, I get all of that. But things have got to come together perfectly for him to return that third-round value. I think it's more 2020, 2021. Well, by the way, Timmy, he'll be all of – 21 years old <laughs> so this is a kid yeah yeah the kid's gonna be a monster i believe he's gonna be a superstar but i think the hype has exceeded his potential to return uh to return a, a good solid value this year rich that's that's the only problem in dynasty leagues yeah he's your number one pick right <clears throat> yeah and it's interesting because if you compare him to ronald acuna Top five pick. uh again mm-hmm. ronald so um, Vlad Jr. is an 80-grade hitter. That's an 80-grade hit tool. If you've never seen him play, when you finally do see him, that's, that is an 80-grade hit tool. That is Albert Pujols, Miguel Cabrera type of hit tool. That's that's what those guys do. Um, yep. There is definitely double-plus, probably 70-grade raw power there. doesn't mean it's in-game power. Yet. That's are two different categories but uh, raw power means he's got the strength he's got you know he's got the ability to do it but in game he's still a little bit more uh, contact oriented he's got to lever up a little bit and that will come with time difference with Ronald Acuna uh, not nearly the level of power eh, probably similar bat speed so maybe double plus power for Acuna uh, not the same kind of hit so probably a grade lower than that but Acuna ran and does run yep and you knew if he got if he got at bats, he could steal fifteen to twenty bases. I don't know what he stole. Probably maybe I'm a little high on that. That was what you would pencil in, and you felt like okay, if he gives me fifteen home runs on top of that, and you know I've got I've got a guy that's returning probably at least fifth six round value just to begin with, and anything I get above that. So it always felt better with Acuna in the third round than I did with Vlad in the third round. Well, yeah, because you're looking at a combination of power and speed. And you're not going to get speed from, from Vlad Jr. So you're hedging your bet in that Akina will cover off on more categories. And he will. That, yeah. And that, that's the difference when you, when you have young players coming up and why the speed guys are a little bit safer, Timmy, uh, like Victor Robles. I mean, let's say Victor Robles hits 240 uh, yep. and only hits – He's got a chance to hit 
20-plus home runs, but let's say he only hits eight home runs but steals 30 bases, 40 bases. He's got, inst- he's got more value than Vlad does because of, of the stolen bases because the way that you know, all of the baseball HQ dollar values, and they kind of combine all that stuff together, and that's why Vlad's going to have to hit 30-plus home runs to really return that level of value. Yeah, I, I just think, you know, as we both mentioned, he is going to be a stud. But I'm I'm not going to pay the price for it this year. Next year, yeah, that's a whole different kettle of fish, as is 2021. Mm-hmm. By then, I think he'll have himself anchored into the first round like Miggy Cabrera did for years and years and years, and away we go. We can enjoy was, one of the best players in the game. Acuna was 16 stolen bases last year, so, I mean, he kind of hit that 15 to 20 that I was thinking about. Where he blew up right. was the 26 home runs, and uh, yeah. which brought his value. Again, just, just everybody... Just know that again, Acuna doesn't walk all that much, so it's not a it's not a perennial 300 hitter like you're going to see with Vlad Jr. Again, trying to compare those guys. What kind of gear do you see Lourdes Gurriel having in 2019? Timmy hit 11 home runs in 65 games, but he struck out 22 percent of the time, and he never walked. Is he a major leaguer or more of a kind of a Triple A Quad A kind of back and forth guy? Um. I watched him in the Arizona Fall League, and I wasn't overly impressed. I didn't like what I saw there. Um, I think the key with Guriel is he's going to have to learn to play second or third base very, very quickly because the Jays have a kid in Bichette who's going to move into shortstop and anchor it for a long, long time. So I'm not betting a lot on Guriel heading into 2019. Deeper leagues, yeah, I'll, I'll look at him, but – Shortstop is deep. There's lots of options at shortstop. I I just don't see Guriel's hit tool developing into anything more or maybe at best as league average. At at best. I I, I don't see him as much of a player, Timmy. I'm not a big fan. So I was just hoping you saw something I didn't. 11 home runs in 25 games is impressive, but, I, I, I mean, you can't extend that out. So that would be 25 home run guy. I don't I don't see that. No, and is he going to hold up Bichette when they determine Bichette's ready to roll? I don't see it. No. Nope. Marcus Stroman, Timmy, question. Is he with the Blue Jays at the start of the season? Um, I'm going to say, yeah, he is. Is he there in August 1st? Uh, I'm going to say, no, he isn't. Yeah. I, yeah, it's... There hasn't been a whole lot of talk recently about Stroman moving, but uh, there was a lot at the beginning of the of the, you know, of the off season. And um, I, I just don't know if, I guess he's a starter, Timmy. I don't know if the size eventually pushes him to the bullpen. Well, I, I, I traded Stroman in all my leagues several years back. And the reason I traded him is I didn't think he would hold up. I didn't, I didn't think that maximum effort all the time was going to work for the kid. And I haven't changed my thought process on that. I think Marcus Stroman at some point in time will be a closer. Yeah, plus I, I, I agree with you. I think it's a very smart move by you. Um, and I also think that the six, he's in the six from a strikeout standpoint. He's never been a big strikeout guy. No, it's, no, he's, and you look, you look at that ever like, hey, I, I, love, I love watching what he brings to the game, what he brings to the table. The, the effort is definitely there. The enthusiasm to sometimes gets a little bit tiring. But I, I like the kid. I just don't think physically he's going to hold up. 
7.37, last three years, this has been a strikeout rate. And it's just, it's just yes. not what you need, Timmy. So, question, we, we talked a lot about Aaron Sanchez over the years, and it's been a disappointment, right? I mean, he just yeah. had a finger issue, and then he had surgery on the finger, and the blisters, and the this and the that. I mean, he's just never mm-hmm. developed into the pitcher, I think, his talent would have dictated as he was coming through the minor leagues. Um, is there any reason to draft Aaron Sanchez at this juncture, Timmy? Only if you don't get Dylan Bundy. Oh, man. Did we do a stake and liquor bet on Dylan Bundy? I, I can't remember. We should if we didn't. I have to go back and re-listen. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if we did or not, Rich, but no. He's the sort of guy in a draft and hold at some point in time, you're going to toss a dart. In deeper leagues, if you got him as a seventh, eighth, eighth pitcher to stash on your bench to see what happens to start, yeah, that's fine. But don't go into the season with any false expectations of, what, two years ago or three years ago now? I guess it's three years ago. Those days are gone. We have to see something now to start investing. And we haven't seen anything for a couple of years. I agree with you totally. Timmy, that's it. That's a wrap. We finished up the Blue Jays, um, and we've got more and more of this stuff coming. We've got some uh, bi- we've got some midweek podcasts coming up, Timmy, if we, as we start to plow mm-hmm. through the, the kids. Maybe we'll do the one this week if you're available. Um, so we'll, we'll figure that out as we progress here. Yeah, sounds good, Rich. Uh, I'm uh... – I'm bouncing. I'm bouncing back from that surgery, and I should be down to uh, 15 hours sleep a night by Wednesday or so. So I should be good to go. Well, I, I Timmy, I, I sincerely um, apologize for running you for two hours tonight. That was not my intention. So, but um, so I apologize if I wore you out. That was. I, I do feel bad about that. When I looked down and realized we were 45 minutes into the show. And had gotten not past the first uh, first item, so uh, sincere apologies there. So, uh, but uh, continue to you get don't better, need my to friend. And... Yeah, I have drugs. Drugs are my friend. No need to apologize. Okay. Life is good. Drugs and coke. So uh, you're you're yes. set. Uh, we'll have to get him some cherry coke though. Any final comments, Timmy? Where can people find you, by the way? Uh, the easiest way to find me is on uh, is on Facebook. Baseball 365, I'm hanging out there on a regular basis. And I think, Rich, I'm, I'm on the verge of getting back onto Twitter. Uh, I left Twitter almost a year ago, and uh, I, I think it's about time that I got back on Twitter just because of the information that is available through it. I'll probably pick up some crazy name and just sit there to follow uh, and stalk people to pick up information. But uh, I it's pretty hard to stay away from a social media platform that generates as much discussion as Twitter does. Does that make sense? It does. I'm not sure how much discussion though it provides. Um, that's an interesting, that's an interesting question. Again, I don't know. We're, we're at over two hours, but it'd be interesting to see once you come back, come back for a period of time and then let's talk to see if you, if you really got the information and discussion that you thought you would, because the discussion is limited to 280 characters and it's hard to have a discussion. You're, you're talking at people. Yeah. I was going to say it's, it's more for the source of information 
then it is a discussion. I can leave the discussing uh, to Facebook, and that works very well for me. Okay, because it's it's great to you know follow like the Ken Rosenthal and the Jeff Passons right. of the world. They're going to tell you the breaking news, and it's great mm. because of that. I respond right. to people when they ask me about trades and, you know, what do you think about this player? And I'm able to, you know, succinctly, hopefully not succinctly, but, you know, in a few words, tell them my opinion, but it's not in, right. you know, you can't get into like a debate, which you can't with, you can't with Facebook, which I think is, that's a way better medium to do that. So I'd be curious what you think once you get back there. Yeah. I, uh, like I said, it, it's more for just as, as a source of, additional information right now, Rich. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I just found Facebook to be much more user-friendly for me, much the same as I find an abacus more friendly than a calculator. So we'll, we'll see what happens this go-around. Well, I mean, Facebook, it, it, it's, it's, the reality is Facebook has become the media for older people. Uh, and the younger crew have all moved to Instagram. And Instagram is all okay. visual based, right? So it's all you know. You, you post a picture and you don't really write comments. You, you let the picture tell the story. Maybe you write a comment about the picture. Versus Facebook is for the older population that just wants to talk and go back and forth. And it's not that there's anything wrong with that. It's just uh, you know, it's 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 just going after a different population now. Yeah. Well, how many pictures of my mug do I really need on Instagram? Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Tim, you are you are a handsome man, Timmy. So uh, we'll t- we'll take as many mug shots as we can. Oh, I'm sorry, pictures <laughs> as we can. <laughs> we don't want mug but, shots. Yeah. No, the post office already has enough pictures on it. Doesn't need mine, Rich. <laughs> All right, so Timmy, we're gonna close here. Just to let everybody know we still have, I think, three three uh, divisions to go with. Um, with the prospect stuff, we will be doing that. We've got our top 100s coming out. We'll, those will all be midweek podcasts. We'll keep the Sunday podcast focused almost exclusively on draft preparation. Soon we'll be coming out with catchers, first base, second base. Tim will, Tim will be doing all of his rankings. We'll be uh, looking at those in comparison to where they're going in the NFPC. Find those ones that Tim likes more than the NFPC and ones that Tim likes less than the NFPC. I think those are really important discussions to have. So, Tim, we got a lot yes, of stuff to do here in the next six to eight weeks. So there's a lot of draft preparation because it's coming fast, my friend. And we're, we're, we're at the second week in, in January. Well, yeah, time does not stand still. And you can expect to see the catchers in all of their snarky glory no later than Tuesday a.m., Rich. Wow. So they will be up sometime this week. Timmy, without further ado, be well, my friend. Be well, Rich. Have a great week. All righty.